of my uh, limbs fell off and then I just had to grow them back, really, which I didn't think was a thing. Oh, we live. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Adequate. Our ongoing mission, until we are cancelled and replaced by something far superior. To review every Star Trek episode and movie in existence. To seek out new guests and make them very uncomfortable. To boldly go where most of the YouTube channels about Star Trek have gone before. And better. And better. Good evening, everybody. <laughs> good afternoon. Good morning, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to another average episode of Trekking <laughs> Up North. I am your host, as ever, Captain Goodwill. And joining me, the rather sexy Geesian from the planet Honk. It is science. <laughs> it is science officer. Sign noise. This law just writes itself, doesn't it's, it? It's getting <laughs> deeper and deeper with every I, episode. It needs to be. It needs to be like pronounced honk. So just like, oh yes, of course, I come from the planet honk. Ah, you are speaking in the original Geesian tongue. Ah, yes, the planet honk. <laughs> Yes, that's good. Uh, right to the top of the show, Ensign Bailey, Ensign Adam Bailey, I know you're in the chat. Would you be so awesome as to send me a message at the end of the show? Because there was an error with the competition. Send me a message at the end of the show and you shall receive gifts beyond the dreams of avarice. So, okay, this is, this is DM you can me. just get Tinder goodwill. It's, you don't need to be doing this. DM me, bro. <laughs> Send nudes. <laughs> send nudes no I'm noodles sending. I'm hungry send noodles send noodles oh it's sent early no <laughs> oh, that old excuse but yeah Adam, how are you doing you, you having a good week awful but yes <laughs> no it's it's been a um, uh, much like my uh, love life quick and painless um, it's it's been it's been quick um it's been a long yeah it's it's been a an all right week um good session of uh gaming on uh, gaming up north on twitch on tuesday where apparently i discovered that um <sighs> the nuns enjoy sonic fan fiction <laughs> oh no 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 where sonic the hedgehog falls in love and gets married with princess peach Okay, those are going to be some interesting offspring. It's wholesome. It's wholesome. Is it? I hold on. Is it Holmes? Holmesome? Is it wholesome or is it? It is just... wholesome. It was okay, deceivingly whole. I thought it was going to get seedy, but then it turned out it was actually rather wholesome. This is all in between playing Uncharted too. So I'm like, bang, 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 bang. Chapter four: Sonic and Peach. <laughs> and so it was. It was fairly. Um, unhinged uh, as i would describe it but no it was a good week how has your week been my week's been really good yeah it's been it's been quite quiet i got to see some people last night i was at a wonderful charity event uh, and I, it was one of these ones where i felt a bit guilty because uh it's for one of the contestants one of the finalists for mr gay great britain that we will be going to the final for at Annick gardens on the 26th of august <gasps> is that with is that with our lovely sean ferrick it is, it is. Oh, going to be there. He's so mixing we'll with the stars. Out. Yeah, that's it. So it should be fun. But um, 
Yeah, uh, he one one finalist there was doing his basic 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 what? Basical. Just making up words today. A, a basic really bicycle. <laughs> basic. You basic, basic bike. Now, like. Yeah. Well, anyway, so I you was there peddling uh, bitch. Anyway. No, so he was doing his charity night last night at Bobby's in Newcastle, mm. and uh, he'd asked me to perform, and I was like. Ooh, uh, you know, it's a Thursday, it's going to be fiddly and stuff, and mm. I'm a bit uh, tired at the minute and whatnot. Uh, but luckily, there were 20 other performers, so I think he just asked everyone. And to be fair, though, as we know, that's how you do stuff. You Like, there were 20 amazing performers there, like some of the best queens in the Northeast just performing at this wonderful charity night. Uh, and it was really good, but I had to, like, leave early because of Last Metro, because oh, I had work today. So, yeah. yeah, but it was good. And hopefully I haven't checked in with him for how much money was raised. But fingers crossed it was a lot. Damn you, day jobs <laughs> that pay our bills for toys and dead-eyed pops. Things. Damn <laughs> you. It, it um, is really annoying, though, because the last Metro, basically, I missed the, the last Metro to where I go, and it just go. I just got the one that go, goes to Sunderland, uh, and then oh, Sunderland no. Station is closed at the minute because of the rain. So despite the fact that they're improving it, it's still bust because of the rain, so that's great. It, they close uh, the train station because it gets wet. Yeah. Is it a tennis I, I, field, a tennis court? There's some kind of leak or something where basically it must get into the electrics or I don't know, something goes wrong whenever it rains with Sunderland Station. Uh, so it basically <laughs> dropped, a, dropped a, you know, the last stop was like St. Peter's. So there was like a 40 minute walk to my house and I was like, oh, it's already midnight. God. <laughs> yeah, so I was just like, oh, great. And then I've worked in like seven hours. Brilliant. You've had an, you've had an interesting week. Well, you were like, are you going to be Twitch streaming after this? And I'm like, I will be, but I really don't feel like it. And then it's Pride weekend tomorrow. Yes. So it's basically going to be a weekend of drinking and horrible hangovers. <laughs> Join us after the podcast for nodding off with Sonoy's on live on Twitch. Because <laughs> when Sonoy's ends, yeah, <laughs> ends his stream, that's when you know you have to drop curtains and go to bed. Because he's like, goats of beds. Goats of bed. Uh, yeah, one other uh, tiny bit of news. Our friends at the Clone Star podcast, um, which is Mike Overtone, uh, Seals, and Sean Ferrix. Uh, gaff. The deliciously lickable Sean. The deli. De- de- yes. Uh, <laughs> he tastes like a jumjustic. Oh, Sean, are you a jumjustic? Um, don't clip that. Um, I'm apparently going to be a guest on their show. So they are they are forming a a new series a new a new show for the for the channel and uh, they've asked me to be a guest so I was just like I got the message and I was just like I are you joking why yeah. <laughs> ah. that'd so, be so yeah. good though imagine nerding out with them like talking trek it's gonna be awesome yeah it's gonna be absolutely awesome so but yeah shall we get in to this week's episode of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Oh, go on then, you've twisted my arm. Let's hello, chat, do... by the way. Hello, yes, chat. hello, chat. Hello, Adam Bailey. We've got Adam Asbridge, the sexy 14 and a half foot tall Viking god who does the theme tune uh, for this show. We've got Christopher Reed. We've got Beth, who's having rice pudding. That's not a cereal. What the hell are you doing deviating? I mean, it, it's got milk. Are we in a different is... timeline? I think we're in a different universe. Yeah, this is Mirror Universe. Yeah, man. yeah. That's we've got what Peach. We've got, here. we've got uh, Sarah Peach in the chat. We've got someone called 
Chinoise in the chat. I don't know who they are. Sounds um, gay. And we've we keep, yes, and we've got Spectrum Sanctara. We've got the lovely Joe Dove. <laughs> it's Joe Dove here with the score. Joe Dove, the I'm dove of that's love. That's how Joe talks now. The dove from above. Joe sat there going, what? <laughs> yeah, will this make any... I don't know, though. Every time I sort of make some insanely British reference on something, all the Americans get it, and you're like, oh, I didn't realise how entangled America was with British humour. Like, they, yeah. they all know IT crowd, they all know Black Books, they all know Red Dwarf, they all, all know sort of like uh, Vic and Bob and stuff, and you're just like, oh, I wasn't expecting that at all. This is not just a, a British reference, this is an extremely local northeast reference, <laughs> yeah. because the, both presenters lived like five miles away from me, so it's like kind of oh, weird. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I, but... I really want to watch the... Um, I, need to, I need to make an, a, a, a reward for my Twitch channel of the uh, Eureka! The, no, no, the, the, the falling down with Vic and Bob <gasps> from Shooting Stars. Yes. <laughs> you rob. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, yes. Yes. Anyway, words. good God. Yes. Um, I didn't actually catch what this episode was called. Uh, season two, episode six, Lost in Translation. Right. Okay. So yes, it opens up at Stardate two three nine four point eight, where the Enterprise is in the Venice Nebula, which is a stellar nursery, where a refinery is currently being constructed, which can harvest the deuterium within the nebula, um, to use as starship fuel, because that's what starships are fueled by. Because you have matter and antimatter, and the matter is deuterium. So oh. think of it as as like shell unleaded for the so stars. Is deuterium, like, worse? So is that, like, the opposite of deuterium? Deuterium, you mean? Du- what? Deuterium Deut- is the fuel that they're harvesting. Du- I Deut- can't even pronounce not, it. You not, hear it. Not, not like Jewish. It not like Jewish. It's not deuterium. <laughs> it's, uh, we, we put them in the engine and it worked. <laughs> Who would have thought? Engage warp. L'chaim! <laughs> it's... Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's it's a valid thing. I you mean, never it's... call your mother. Anyway, so... <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a valid mode of transport, I think. You know, I think, I think, to be fair, though, as we find out in this episode, you know, like, maybe we do need to start looking for uh, alternatives for detri... What is it? Detri... With a D. Yeah. Dew, as in a mountain dew. Terium. Dew... Terium. No, it just sounds like deuterium. Okay, good. Do, deuterium. Okay, Say deuterium. Deuterium. There you go. Yes, we're doing it. We're cracking deuterium? on. Deuterium? Yes. Okay. <laughs> we are We are the most professional podcast happening now for Star Trek. <laughs> Possibly. I can't even confidently say that. But... We've harvested the power of Judaism. <laughs> Oh, touch me! For, it doesn't me work on a fr- it doesn't work on a Friday. However, <laughs> you, tr- you try going to warp nine on a Sunday, Christ! He's not even involved. <laughs> the ramp scoops have been trimmed, but never mind about that. <laughs> 
Okay, anyone who has uh, an AI art maker, maybe it's time to type this in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we, we oh haven't even God. got past the opening monologue. I haven't even done the log. I haven't done the log, and we're already <laughs> off a rail. <laughs> yeah, so as we find out, they're, they're here in the... In in a stellar nursery looking for deuterium. <laughs> and the great thing about this beginning bit is that basically we learn that it's in a horror episode. And have we had a horror episode yet? We had in season one, but not in <laughs> season Yeah, not in season two. Because obviously, was the last one we had the one with her working with Hema? Yes, it was. It was the gone episode on the crash yeah. ship. Um, oh, my God. Oh, right. Yes, well, I'm the one trying to get things back on track. Good you God, this is the mirror universe. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, this is a Uhura episode, which, again, this season is sort of focusing on the, the, with our F. <laughs> Sorry, Adam. F. Um, this is a, this is a Uhura. <laughs> Can we just start again? Should we just okay? Roll the intro. No, uh, um, no, it's um, it's an Uhura episode. Which this season, um, they are focusing on the ensemble cast, which is really good. Yes, we've got Pike, we've got you know, um, Spock and everything like. But this is, we've got we've had Nurse Chapel, we've had uh, Una, we've had Ortegas to a lesser degree. But this is an Uhura episode. Um, so it opens up with. Who are doing a personal log saying that they're in this nebula to harvest the 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 fuel and they're trying to get a refinery online? Um, first mention of Chief Kyle, by the way, this season. Which now I don't know what happened behind the scenes, but apparently he left to work on a show called Vampire Academy. But I heard, and I don't know if it's it's true or anything like that. I heard he was really, really nasty. Weird school Vampire Vampire Academy. Academy. Yeah, it's it's a night school. But um, what, are, what are the classes going to be like? Is it going to say in the actual? Oh, thing, Graham, like... they're going to suck. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. Well, I don't don't want to blow my own horn because that feeds into the pun. But I might no. get an A. No. Because I suck. I might get a D. But the. <laughs> uh... <laughs> no. Yeah. No. So yeah, I heard that the actor that uh, that played Chief Kyle wasn't very nice. Uh, this is this is this is the rumor circulating the the Did Twitter. Punch a kitten, possibly, or a tribble. He might have kicked a tribble. I don't yeah. know. Um, but yeah, so this has been the first mention of Chief Kyle on screen. Uh, Pike has been promoted to fleet captain, which will play in to a very minor scene later on, and I will explain it, and it will mm. all make sense. Because um, this will silence the gatekeepers. Damn your gatekeepers! <laughs> you, Damn them! You latchkey kids! So, um, yeah, uh, Pike's being promoted to fleet captain. Um, and Spock makes a recommendation uh, to refuel the Enterprise whilst the refinery is, is currently offline. So he makes a decision to... He, he makes a suggestion to use the Boussard ram scoops. Now, for me, instantly, this is like a great bit of... Trek canon tech and everything like that because everyone 
all we see is the little red bits on the front of the engines on the ship, and yeah, the, like, no one like really the knows. Spinny bits. Yeah, yeah, and then, not many people know that it's actually used as a fuel collector, and that it's mm. it's a very real um, theory for an engine um, mm. to to be proposed on like ships when we do start venturing out, where these uh, these scoops, these collectors, can harvest uh, fuel uh, from space. Mm-hmm. So they can they can harvest like so if they go into a nebula, deuterium's not it, it, yeah. it's a trek thing and they use these to fuel. But basically the saying is, if you run out of one fuel, like a hybrid car where you've got electricity and fuel, uh, it's petrol, a bit like um, Back to the Future where basically he it feeds on garbage. Yeah, where he yeah. literally just puts anything in. And he's like, technically it's all fuel. So I guess to be fair, if you just go, hey, you're passing through a gaseous anomaly. There's got to be something that can be used as fuel in here. It's, yeah. I think it's a very sound idea. I mean, there's, obviously you need crazy filters, but... Uh... Yeah, and it's it's a great, like, it's a very deep technical callback to basically say, yes, this is what... And it sort of, like, educates a lot of people to, like, this is what this bit is for. And it's like, well, that, oh. that's That's what I had, because I always remember every time they go, like, oh, it's the Enterprise, and they revamp it, and they do that and stuff. Mm. It's always got those bits on. And they're yeah, the bits yeah. where I'm like... That is what defines the original series ship for me because it's not in next gen. It kind of loses it. Yeah. yeah, it just has these weird orb, spinny orb bits on, uh, and I'm just like, what the hell are they for? And I always remember asking that. And then this episode's the first time that I was like, oh, they do a thing. Yeah, <laughs> and like they, they refine deuterium, and that's why they are spinnies. And like, mm. so I, I I like that. It was a great little bit of technical thing, but all of a sudden, um, uh. Uhura receives a transmission, or she thinks she receives a transmission. Now, for me, this sound effect instantly took me to Optimus Prime transforming from a <laughs> truck to a transformer. <laughs> yeah, because it sounded Actually, there's like loads that. of weird sound effects in this. Yeah, uh, the sound design in this episode is a it's it's cool, but it's weird. <laughs> you know, it's like the I think it's like the sci-fi equivalent of like the Wilhelm scream this episode. Yes. but we'll get to it later. Adam Adams just said in the chat that anyone who's played Elite Dangerous, uh, mm. it's how you feel your ships in that. Yes, because Elite Dangerous do mention uh, the 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 bizarre collectors or ram scoops. Um, as, some, mm. as some of them call them, and it's yeah, it's it's a sound, th- it's a real theory. So mm. I like that, you know. I, I think for the longest time <clears throat> since Discovery came back, they sort of abandoned certain like little deep technology things, and I, I'm glad that they're starting to get back to that. Like, hey, this is actual science, and we can educate the audience on science. So yeah. I like that. So it, it's kind of like Disney being like, okay, that bit of the wider Star Wars canon is allowed now. And they kind yes. of slowly ex- bring stuff in and they're like, okay, maybe this happened. We'll get <laughs> we'll get to canon later on because hold that thought, put a pin in it. So Uhura receives this signal. Uh, she says to the captain, I'm receiving this signal. She can't find it. There's nothing in the log. She mm. says, I swear it was there. I'll do a diagnostic. Heads up to uh, the partner cell of the ship. Pellia walks mm. in for the first time in two episodes. Pellia hold on, hold on. finally... What? It's the idea of the reason why Uhura goes there is because basically she thinks there's a problem in the uh, in the communications array. Mm. And what she explains to Pellia is that basically because she requested diagnostics to be done so often, Hema just told her, 
how to do it in herself. <laughs> you know? They did and a so YouTube they did, like, video. video. Yeah, yeah. Like, a YouTube video basically going like, okay, if you want to do it. And I quite like, like and subscribe. That that's how I do things nowadays around yeah. the house. I look for a YouTube video and I'm, and there's one, what's it for? It's literally, um, it's how to put my tent away. Whenever I go <sighs> camping, I have like one of those pop-up tents. And you would think that it would sink in after like the seventh time of how to put this tent away. But no, I have a fa I have a playlist mm. specifically for a video that tells me how to put this bloody tent away. And it's just me in a field being like, oh, I should really remember that next time. All, anyway. all props to YouTube. I probably would not have been able to restore a car if it wasn't for all the random <laughs> dads on YouTube going hello my name's gary and this is how you sort the electrical loom in your 2004 <laughs> electrical tuna. loom the electrical loom yes and i'm just like thank you Ga <gasps> gary it's gary the ferengi but oh, it's like thank you gary I, yeah so they so she's watching this tutorial about how to conduct a diagnostic on a communications array which runs through the nacelle um, and she, you know, this is the first time we have seen Bruce Horrock back as 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 Hemmer um, from yeah. the first season, the chief engineer from the first season. As she's doing this, Pellieth, the first time in two episodes, comes in and goes, "What the hell are you doing in my nacelle?" <laughs> and I'm just like, "Oh yes!" Immediately steals the scene. With it, I think this is the thing. We're, we're getting a. It's good. We're getting a lot of Pellier in this episode, and I was very happy. And she's just. Just the fact that she's this absolute wild card, and this episode kind of goes into it. <laughs> where, but I do, I do love the idea of just like where she's talking, Uhura's talking about Hema, and she's just like, "Oh, that was the chief engineer before me. Oh, he was, he was so wonderful." No, I'm just saying that because he's dead. He's oh okay. yeah, because she, she was like, she was like, oh, one of the best lines ever. She, she, she went, she went, Hema, Hema was one of my best students. Sorry, I just said that because he's dead. He was okay. <laughs> it's just the most like brutal thing in the whole world, and she's like this throughout the whole episode. Her her whole character is that she doesn't have any pretension. She's literally just like no filter. There you go. Doesn't give a fuck attitude because she's <laughs> been around as as long as time itself, um, and it's just like oh my god, yeah. Um, so, but she makes a point where she says Uhura hasn't really spoken to her and hasn't really introduced herself. Yeah. Uh, Uhura apologizes, you know, makes her introductions, heads mm. back down, goes to the turbo lift where she hears the noise again, and oh my god, yeah. zombie Henna yeah. is right. Just, there. That's it. She's in the turbo lift, and then she turns around, and there's a zombified version of Hemma. What good uh, makeup. And, and it's. The, I think this is really great though because we've had comedy like the, we had a comedy episode last week we've had like some serious kind of actiony ones I mm. think and then this one is pretty much a horror episode like it's pretty much yeah. yeah it's got a lot of lovely tension in it it's got a lot of horror elements like a lot of blood and violence and you're like this is kind of awesome that the show can do all of it like without a beat like it doesn't feel out of place in this season it's it's, it's so very tng where they could pivot like mm. that because we did had you know we, we had scary episodes we had horror episodes we had comedy episodes we had uh exploration um moral episodes mm. court episodes and it was like it's it's brilliant if you think like in six episodes stranger worlds has done essentially all of what next generation could do in 26 episodes 
Yeah. And it's like, yes, we can do this in modern day. Here you go. And it's like you had Ad Astra per Asperger with the court scene and the hijinks last week with uh, charades and stuff like that. And it's like, and then next week, which we'll get into. Oh, my God. Like, like we saw with Trek, uh, with Picard season three, it's just basically Trek written by good Trek writers. Yes. And then you realize, oh, God, we can do a lot with that. It's just very, very good. Speak, <laughs> speaking but, of... If you want more like this, for God's sake, Paramount, pay <laughs> your writers and pay your actors fairly. Support SAG-AFTRA and support WGA. Well, this is this is the discussion we were having the other night, wasn't it? Where we're getting some, we're getting a, a lot of media things and podcasts where they're basically like they're they're boycotting mm -hmm. this and they're not talking about like the new track and stuff coming out during the writers' strike. Uh, in uh, what's it called the solidarity with the strikers I mean obviously we were like oh should we do that but I think our point our stance on it was like we need to celebrate the writers in these episodes like rather than boycotting them so we're still going to talk about them we're still going to give Strange New World its worlds its due because it's so fantastic and it's the idea of this is why you should be paying writers properly because you get shows like this, don't, like series yeah. well written as this. Don't you know? Don't cancel your subscriptions. Don't not watch something because the studios and the executives will use that as ammunition to these actors, to these writers, because in the extreme they can say, well. The ratings have gone down, so you obviously weren't as good as you thought you were. Well, the that never underestimate the short-sightedness of marketing divisions where they're going to look at the stats and be like oh there was a dip during strange new world season two. Oh, people must not want it anymore and you're like no that was the writer's strike oh yes. oh we forgot about that this oh, has been done before yes the, the, uh, i think some people have a short memory this was done during the 0708 strike this has been done before. If you stop watching, you know, y your intentions are good. No one is saying that your intentions are in the wrong place. They are good, but never underestimate, like Sunoise has just said that the, the ability to pivot um, data to suit yeah. their argument. So don't cancel. Watch. Celebrate. We will continue to review uh, Star Trek and on the wider channel review um what you know whatever comes up mm. but we are in full support of SAGAFTRA and wga the writers guild of america although SAGAFTRA does sound like a street fighter character it it does and michelle heard is the leader so you do not want to meet her on a dark night because she will snap you yeah. in half we have seen her in picard she will. the headings are on a wednesday my god she can do it <laughs> So, but it, it is no i, I think yeah. what you're saying is exactly right it's the fact of you know like strangely worlds Pay your writers properly. Give us more shows like this. <laughs> 100%. So, back in sickbay, Mbenga is uh, analysing, he's, he's, he's examining Ahura, uh, and he finds that she is hallucinating because she's been exposed to refined deuterium um, as she's been up in the nacelle. So she's suffering from deuterium poisoning. Mm. He also checks that her serotonin levels are down because she's not been sleeping, uh, basically burning the candle at both ends. What has she been doing, by the way? I know it says at the beginning, because she... we, we kind of skipped over it, but the beginning scene of the episode is basically her her and Pike on the bridge, and then Pike going into a long speech about, like, oh, you know, we're going to get this... Uh, She's been we're gonna coordinating. We're going to get this station operating and yeah. whatnot. 
and she's been doing all of the work in the background coordinating this whole effort between like three different like uh, groups or whatever and that's why she's knackered i think because he's the fleet captain <laughs> because he's the fleet captain uhura is coordinating said fleet in mm. uh because the the refinery in this nebula is right on what starfleet are claiming it is on the edge of unexplored space and can be used mm. as the 23rd century equivalent of a gas station petrol station yeah. for refueling for exploration the ulterior is it is right on the edge of gone space and because Ooh. the gone is the underlying um, antagonist throughout season two they want yeah. a refueling station on the edge so that their ships have got enough fuel in case anything happens so there's a light side to the motive there is a dark side to the motive so uhura has been coordinating fleet efforts to get this refinery up and running so she is essentially mentally and physically drained from essentially doing all this to get it up as soon as possible so mbenga mm. relieves her of duty and says you are not allowed to go back on duty until you have got some rest so yeah. she is relieved of of her duties for now back on the refinery i love how no one is ever happy about this in trek and what a workaholic contrast it is to the rest of to to the real world like you know can you mention an episode in trek where someone has been relieved of duty by the medical officer and they've been happy about it like the next episode we have to talk about in uh, next generation is when uh, that happens to Picard. Where he's forced to take a vacation. Yeah. Forced yeah. to take a holiday. And then um, in, what is it, in Deep Space Nine, we have it where uh, Kira is forced to take a break uh, by Bashir. And then I'm pretty sure we have several instances of it happening in uh, Voyager. But and no one's ever happy. And I'm just like, hang on, I get like two weeks off work. right <laughs> So... There, there are two things I want to take away from this. One, the old adage of, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Exactly. Two... It's almost like capitalism makes people not enjoy their mm, fucking jobs. So, mm. Socialism sort <laughs> of works. Um, <laughs> two, Starfleet HR is the best HR I have ever heard of because, God damn it, they roll their holidays because at the end of Star Trek Insurrection, he says to yeah. her, I've got 317 accumulated days of leave, right? Can you imagine? I can't can you even imagine get... if you tried to do that in, like, today's world? I can't even okay, get... I've saved for five yeah. years of holidays. I wanted to take five extra days this year, right? I can't even get five extra days accumulated. I was forced to take a holiday so that they couldn't roll it over. This HR in the galaxy, they're like, oh, I can see that you've got, um, oh, 11 months worth of leave. Okay, <laughs> you just take that fully, well, not paid, but you just take yeah. that off your pop. And you're like, God, I, no wonder Starfleet is hard to get into because the HR is, they get sexy uniforms, free medical, yeah. free food, free lodging, and rollover of your hollybobs. You might just spend it 317 days on Riser. I'd never leave. Yeah, I think it'd be good. I'd, I'd probably... Um, I'd have fertility statues I'd, I'd everywhere. I'd get tired after a while. I oh, think. no. For, from all the cocktails, never. <laughs> yes, the cocktails. Mm. Mm, yeah. 
<laughs> minus, Moving on. Yes, minus, <laughs> minus one of those words will let you decide. I, I do quite like, though, that Uhura is, like, done as an absolute workaholic throughout, like, all of this and whatnot. And that's what we've seen. We've seen that she's, like, very much a go-getter. But this episode is going into why she's like that. You know, why yeah. she's not slowing down. She, and why she throws she's putting... herself into... Yeah. Which I think a lot of us... You know, we do do jokes, but a lot of us do throw ourselves into work. Like, me and Sonoy's... To, I mean, to a lesser extent, me to a to a an extreme. He doesn't sleep. He just recharges on a USB cable. Sonoy's is just like I'm going to do this and then this and then this and then this and then I. I had it the other day where my I woke up. I managed to go to bed like really sort of like I had plenty of time to sleep. I could sleep until like ten. And then my body still woke me up at like six, and it was yeah. like okay. And I'm like, no, no, you don't need to. And my body was like, what? Yes. No. You know, you've had four hours sleep. Get up. I I <laughs> I got to a point last year where I got up, I got dressed, I got into the car, I drove to work, I got out of work, and I was like, the car park's empty. It was a Saturday morning. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so back on the refinery, <laughs> back on the refinery. Um, Una has been put in charge of getting the refinery online with Pelia, and this is the first scene where we see some tension between mm. Una and Pelia. Um, and Pelia thinks that the station is breaking down a lot faster than the crew can fix it, and she doesn't know why, and yeah. believes that there's an underlying issue. But Una is is of the of the belief, you know, she's got orders to follow. She needs to get this station up and running as quickly as possible. If there is an issue, we will find it along the way. So she's basically saying to Pelia, do what I can tell you. Yeah. Get it up and running. If there's an issue, we'll just find it on the way. And Pelia's just like, mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it's very much one of these things. And and I really sympathize with Pelia in like this episode because like I have this a lot in my actual job because you do get a lot of people who are just like they'll I know they'll ignore experience because they don't understand it. You know, very much, or they'll be like going preach. We, well, you know, where where they'll basically be sort of, you know, like, oh no, that sounds like nonsense to me, and I'm just like, oh, but you don't care about the whole big picture kind of thing, and then, and then what you'll do is you'll just nod and smile like Pelia does here. Of, okay, let's just go with it, and then like later on, you're like, oh look, a problem occurred. Oh, it's that one we were warn- warning you about. Oh. You know, and it very much happens. And it's, yeah, it, it's the amount of time, like literally we had an incident. I won't talk about my job. Yes, that's like, not. We had an incident today, which was very much like, oh, I'll dig out the email. I mentioned this would happen three years ago and we didn't do anything about it. Oh, oh, called it. But, you know, and it's just... There's a reason I've got yeah. the pips and they don't. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, but it was, it was quite good. Like, and I think that's the thing, though. It's like, like she was saying earlier to Uhura, Pelia isn't really sort of integrated with the crew very much at all. No. Like, she, you know, when she's not integrated with us that much because she's mm. barely been in the series, which, mm. like we're saying, is a bit of a shame. But it's the idea of why are people not interacting with her, and I don't think people take her seriously despite how experienced she is. Like the idea of she just picked up engineering. When we saw her in the past, she didn't even have a clue about engineering. And yet since then, she's like, oh, I'll just learn this. Oh, and I'm amazing at it now. Okay, and I'll teach it at the academy. I it's... I have a theory about Pelia. And, and I know I had one about the, the link mm. to Star Trek Enterprise, which I still think something will happen with that because we're mm. getting a lot of Enterprise visual references throughout this show. 
But I think the next episode, episode seven, mm. I think we're going to get a twist. And I, yeah. I will explain it at the end of the review yeah. because I don't want to I don't want to spoil because this is a brilliant episode and I want to discuss it. But bear with us on this Pellier theory. Um, mm. But yeah, Uhura's quarters, Uhura can't sleep. She can't mm. switch off. Yeah. How many of us know about being unable to switch off because I'm one of them. I barely yeah, sleep. Yeah. You, you just when you're a workaholic and you get into that work mode, it is very hard to deactivate. It you know, a, a doctor can say, Go home, go to bed, and you're just like, This doesn't work like a switch. Yeah. Well at the at the worst point of my anxiety, like years ago, when I suffered from really bad anxiety, mm. not even sleep meds would work. Like the yeah. doctor gave me sleep meds, which were basically sort of like, Hey, this will knock you out. And other people were like, Oh, they're amazing. I slept for like ten hours. Like three hours my brain woke me up. Like yeah. it actually broke past like like actual sort of chemical sort of thing in order to be like no 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 you need to worry about this and and it's terrifying it's it genuinely is. like you know until you've done the thing that sets you at ease or you feel like you've done enough and you can actually switch off and so it's quite good and and it's the fact of not not people who aren't workaholics can't quite understand this like you know when you get people who are like oh i can just sleep whenever and it's like that's nice for you <laughs> it's but, it's uh, sort of i've gone from being i could sleep for 18 hours a day to now i'm lucky if i get three hours of sleep and it, the, yeah. the terror the, the terrifying thing is with today's modern technology you can accurately trace your sleep habits and then you <laughs> wake up and you think i had a good night's sleep and then you look at your watch and it's like mm-mm <laughs> no, you have 45 minutes of deep sleep michael and that's about it and you're just like shit and you're right sleep meds just don't work when you get to a certain stage this for for all the themes in this episode one of them is look after your mental health and realize that work is not the be all and end all your mental health comes first your physical health comes first so yeah. if you are in that situation learn how to take a step back and take care of yourself take some you time that's mm. that's my advice. I, I think that's very much it. Um, Adam in the chat is saying the reason why we haven't seen much of Pellier is because Una won't let her near the bridge. Oh God, yes. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, I have no, I I didn't know that, but uh, probably. I wonder if that's a bit of beta canon that Adam's covering up, or if if it is real, that would explain. Well, you know, as we as we see episode. later in the episode, there yeah. might be a reason for that because there does seem to be animosity between. Pellier and Una. Yeah. So back in her, back in Ahura's quarters, uh, she starts to hallucinate. She's in a field, and she keeps hearing the Transformers noise, as I will keep calling it, the Optimus Prime, <laughs> the Optimus Prime noise. Um, <laughs> yeah. Autobots. Um, but she looks off. <laughs> no, into... it's actually it's a goose. So it's like. Oh my God! But it's the Geesians. It's um, a digital go digital goose. It's the Geesians. So she's hallucinating, she's in a field. It, out into the distance, she sees smoke whilst hearing this. And then we quickly go to the next scene where we see Captain James... Well, not Captain, Lieutenant James T. Kirk yeah. beaming aboard the Enterprise. Actual Kirk, real Kirk. I, I put it in my notes being like, this is 
finally the the first time we're actually seeing kirk real kirk yeah in the timeline because the previous time we saw him was when uh pike was transported into the future yeah and therefore the things kirk did it had no bearing upon this and the other time we got to see kirk was when uh lan went into the past and had to work with him and then obviously that timeline yeah. got rewritten so that never happened. So this is actual Kirk yeah. doing things that will stick around in the story. So he's with crazy. So he's with Sam. Sam greets him at the transporter. They head straight to the bar because they are Kirks. Of course they did. Sam congratulates Kirk because he's the youngest uh, first officer promoted ever in Starfleet. Mm. He's beat his father's record. This is the first time, by the way, we get yeah. the mention of both George and the USS Kelvin from Star Trek 09. So yeah. I, I like that they are making the, the events from that, like, well, not not some events, but they're making the Kelvin canon. And, yeah. you know, the basis is like, yes, well, you know, Nero happened, but this happened, you know, yeah. this in this prime timeline. He was first officer on the Kelvin. And there's a tension between the Kirk brothers because they are both desperate to have the acknowledgement and the uh, the respect of their father and the praise of their father. So mm. Sam is jealous of Kirk because he got promoted quicker. Sam is yeah. obviously a, a xenoanthropologist. He's gone a different route. Yeah. And he's sort of like, I can't beat you. So I will never get, I will never gain the respect of, of my father and my, you know, the, our dad will be more proud of you than he is of, of me mm. and that tension is there and there's that animosity towards james from sam i i think it's that thing because obviously it's that whole thing of you know sam has made a decision to go down the science route and therefore can't get if he follows his actual dream of doing what he wants to do mm. he can't actually achieve what his dad wants him to do and i think that's something that we can all relate to like because I think it's that thing where, you know, your dad always wants you to go down a certain path or go, oh, do the same as me kind of thing. And then if you do something totally different, like I, I went into computing and my dad hate, hated computing because he was like, what's the point in this? This is never going to take off. Hmm. Uh, you know, I wonder well, what my dad wanted then. me to be. That would be interesting. I wonder what he wanted me to be. Yeah. Hmm. If it was a, a trench coat full of weasels. Halfway there. A deranged Trekkie on YouTube. I wonder if that's <laughs> what he wanted me to be. Hmm. Let's find out. We've got your dad on the line. Oh, God. Father! Um, father! Father! <laughs> uh, I wonder as well, um, speaking of the father, because in Star Trek 09, Spock says to the alternate Kirk that, you know, was my because he asked if was my father alive, and Spock says, your father was around, you know, your father saw you uh, become captain of the Enterprise. He he saw you off as you left on the Enterprise. Again, wouldn't it be awesome? And I know it's never going to happen. Don't get me wrong. I know it's never going to happen. But just think, an aged Chris Hemsworth as George yeah. Kirk in the last <laughs> episode seeing off James Kirk, Paul Wesley. I think it'd be great. That would I be think, awesome. You know, they could do I, that. I, don't think it's I think I don't think it's too crazy. I think Chris Hemsworth might be up for that. If you know, like, if the he was going to come back for Star Trek Four, there, there really? was there, there was a proposed story for Star Trek Four where they were going to go back in time, 
Mm. And J.J. Uh, Kirk was going to meet uh, his father, George Kirk, back on the mm. Kelvin. And Chris, apparently Chris Hemsworth was, was all for coming back to George. Because before he was four guys, yeah. he had, uh, not I wouldn't say big break, but he had a, a fairly large break in, Star Trek, break. Yeah, in Star Trek 09. Before he became Thor, he was George Kirk. So was that really, before, before yeah, it was. Thor? It was two thousand and nine. You had Iron Man oh, in two thousand seven. No concept yeah. of time anymore. <laughs> yeah, you had Iron Man in two thousand and seven, yeah. and then whatever, and then I think Thor was twenty ten, twenty eleven, and then obviously the Avengers yeah. in twenty twelve. So yeah, he he was a Kirk before mm. he was Thor, and it's it's crazy to think about that but i think yeah. that will be awesome to see that um but yeah there is Definitely. that there is that tension between um george and and, and Sa- uh, george and james i think it's really good and you know i i'm really i will say though i'm still annoyed at how they've used sam like it's very underused it's awkward because he is so attractive he is literally like with the mustache not even the, not even the rain this week has made me moister than him it's the fact of like and he's just not in the show. Like the whole point, the whole point of this character is to have an excuse for Kirk to be here in a kind of way, and you know, like oh well, uh, and, it, and it feels a bit crappy. That like, like literally, we are in the middle. We're past the middle of season two of this show, and we just found out what his job is. That's I didn't know that he was like uh, xenobiology, so... you know, until this, and I'm just like going. It's a kind of underused character, but then. So what we have you... learnt, guys, in this in this brief section is that you could probably drown a small animal in Sonoise's pants right now. Um, <laughs> and it yeah, is the mustache. <laughs> he is he is very under because this is this is the second time in season two he's made an appearance because the first one was obviously don't test me, Kirk. I will. It feels break like we've seen more of Pellier than Sam. And However, like, yeah. To to be fair though, to be fair, he has been in more memes. In the last yeah. week, than anyone else in Strange New Worlds, because I have seen him in so many goddamn memes with Spock, Spock and the cat. You know the the meme where the woman's shouting at the cat. Yeah, they've done one with where like he's like, "I will break you, Kirk," and he's just sat there with a salad, just looking at him. <laughs> so, yes, I mean, even with the mustache, uh, he makes you moister than an otter's pocket. I think. I so, think to be fair, the the, the mustache like tames it because otherwise ooh. it would be wild. You know, it'd be I I jump into the screen, whereas it's like you know the mustache makes me go like, okay, okay, cool. I'll wait till after dinner. Does it look like Gitler? So, <laughs> <laughs> The return of Gitler. Yeah. Oh dear. Very danger five. <laughs> so um <laughs> nice reference for you guys. That's a deep cut. Um so yeah, so there is there is tension. There is tension in the Kirk Brothers back on the refinery. Uh Una gets the life support up and running and it goes back down. We find out that Pelia has disobeyed Una's direct orders uh, and says her team has found something. As you have to do a lot as, of the time. As you, you have go, to hey, do. I know you told me not to do this, but I did it anyway because it needed to be done. But to progress the plot, she confirmed that she believes the refinery has been sabotaged. <gasps> sabotage. Sabo. Oh yeah, very Kim Cattrall. Yeah, they work as they work as they work as through their wooden heels called sabots into their machinery. <laughs> I believe the word is 
sabotage. <laughs> God damn him. How did you get from that to Sex in the City? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> At Danger 5 in the same like minute. That's a, it's amazing what I can reference. Give me 60 seconds. I could I could reference everything. Anyway, back from yeah. the French Revolution. Um we are back in the bar where we see Chapel and Spock playing chess. Spock wants to tell Starfleet about their relationship because obviously he is Chapel's superior officer and there are rules against uh, fraternization with subordinates, which mm. fair game. Chapel makes a good point where she's like, well, how would you even define what we are? Because I see it as a bit like Schrodinger's cat where it is a relationship and it's not a relationship. I'd prefer to interpret it as a relationship without actually going into hard factual evidence. Mm. All, while, all while playing 3D chess. Yeah. And Spock, goddamn Spock speed, where like Chapel's taking a time and he's just like, your move. Well, the, the whole thing is obviously what Spock will have done, because I was thinking about this, is he would have literally thought of the next like 10 moves. Yes, as a Vulcan does. Considered, yeah, he would have considered everything that she possibly could have done and then as soon as she makes a move he's like oh i know what my follow-up would be for that and therefore you know and it's like a lot of chess play players do you know like they they think of everything several steps in a, in advance peaches loves danger five thank you sir Yay. i will apologize I, I will show. i will apologize to our live viewers the chat is heavily delayed this is not uh, anything we've done it's just youtube at the moment there is a few issues mm. with the chat so if we see your message we do apologize we will see you know we are acknowledging it and we are reading them but there is a, a lot of delay so sorry about that um but back yes yeah, so they are she, she's basically saying don't tell starfleet until we actually know where this is going mm. because obviously from from a military standpoint and from obviously um, to a lesser extent it, it in some workplaces it is frowned upon to fraternize um with your work colleagues with your subordinates and it can have career affecting uh, ramifications as well so she's like well let's not let's not wreck it let's not wreck yeah. anything until we know ourselves and then we will go. We, and we this will. is the equivalent, though, of like, you know, you start dating someone and after a week, they're just like, I want to change my Facebook status or I, you know, uh, or, oh, let's get engaged. And you're like, it's been a week. I <laughs> want a baby. A like, this no. is like, you can tell that Spock is like one of those intense people here where he's just like, let's move in and get a dog. And you're like, it's been a day. Yeah, he's, he's, yes, playing 3D chess with a dynamite gal <laughs> on Facebook. He's just like, no. Um, so, yeah, as no, I am. No, with, with the love of my life. That's what it would have been. It's like, oh, cringe. Life partner. Oh. No. Um, <laughs> to interrupt the cringiness, Uhura comes in. And explains that she believes that the deuterium. No, no, the the, the lachaim poisoning is. Uh... <laughs> well, I don't think we went into it earlier, but basically, Umbenga was saying that basically because she'd been in the nacelle doing the. Uh, uh, what was she doing? She was doing the. Um, she was uh, doing a diagnostic on a communication. 
because she was doing the diagnostic, she's actually got uh, deuterium poisoning. I can't. I'm trying to say it in a way that doesn't sound like deuterium. Deuterium. And it's just not happening. Deuterium. Do deuterium. Deuterium. And she's got like deuterium poisoning, uh, which is basically causing these effects, and they think that's what are the causing these crazy hallucinations. To hear the noise and everything like that. And she yeah, she yeah. she goes to Spock and she's like, well. No, because I heard this noise on the bridge before I went to the port in the cell. Therefore, logic dictates that it is not the deuterium poisoning that is causing the hallucination. But mm. Spock being Spock is a like counter logic. It might be something else causing it. Like, wait, he, he, he. The thing is, Uhura's logic is better here because yeah. Spock's logic is basically like, oh well, if it was a thing, then more people would be affected. And you're like, yes, but you don't know that yet. Like, you know, just because she's patient zero doesn't mean other people aren't going to be affected. This is, I wrote down that um, this disappointed me because, like, in in one of the previous episodes, I was saying the wonderful thing about Trek is that people just believe people. So when people come out and they say, hey, I've got this problem, only I'm experiencing it, the crew tend to get behind them and go like, oh, let's research this, let's do this. And we've seen this in Strange New Worlds, and yet in this episode... They are strangely like, oh no, you're just going crazy. But there is a counter to this, though, in this scene. There is a counter later on. There is a counter at the end of the episode. We have the total opposite thing happening, which I no straight after straight after this bit as well. We do get it, yeah, because what do we get? Well, I mean, I absolutely agree with that because Spock is obviously down there, and Uhura does come back and say logic dictates Mm. that the simplest, um, you know, the the simplest answer is often the, the the right one. Um, Occam's Razor. Occam's Razor, yeah. So she walks away, goes to the bar. Kirk is still sat in there, you know, nursing his whiskey. She believes he's hitting on her when he's just like, hi, I'm James. He is hitting on her. Oh, of course he is. He's Kirk. But, you know, he's I hitting on the, the whiskey. Thing, basically, she sits down at the bar, orders a Saurian brandy, which I'm really glad still exists. Like, you know, because obviously mm. we're very used to it later on, but the fact is that they have it this early on. You know, that they've discovered wherever Saurian brandy comes mm. from. So Did you fun. also notice as well, there was a bullion at the bar. It was a bullion barman. Really? I believe I so, didn't, yeah. I didn't. But it's... But yeah, uh, and then obviously Kirk is also sitting at the bar and basically starts going like, oh, rough day, you know, that whole thing. And she's like, no, don't hit on me. And he totally is, but turns it around a little bit by being like, no, no, I was just interested in how you were. And it's like... Did he say? And we I, know you, Kirk. I can't quite remember, but did he? Did he do the line? The name's Kirk, James Kirk. He <laughs> no, no. That would have been so. such a Bond <laughs> thing for him to do. I would have. I would have loved that. Um, Adam said, "Do you think they were trying to set up a love triangle with Kirk between with with, yes. with? Oh my days." <laughs> Oh, time for the fan fiction. Oh, there is fan fiction already. If there is Sonic, if there is Sonic and Peach fan fiction, (laughs) there is Kirk Spock Chapel fan fiction. Back to the show. I I think it's an interesting thing. I think yeah, I I agree, Adam. Like as we see, as we'll see later on in the episode, Lan. Well, we know that Lan has feelings for Kirk. Oh God, yeah. But because they haven't met technically yet, because that was all in the past and he doesn't remember it. I think it's going to be a bit crazy where I think Kirk is starting to feel things for Uhura through this episode, whereas Alan feels for him. And yeah, I think it is going to get complicated as things go on. Potentially, yeah. I I think it's the idea of 
I think it's valid for them to go down that route. But then I think isn't it doing the same ground as, you know, uh, uh, to Pring and Spock and Chapel. Chapel. You don't need you know, another love triangle. Whole, yeah. Yeah, it's that whole thing you're going, oh, really? Another one? But I love trapezoid. Totally valid. <laughs> I love trapezoid. Um, I love square. Uh, yeah, I love square. Uh, so she leaves the bar. As she leaves the bar, she starts hallucinating again. To her right, she sees a load of dead bodies. To Which her... is brutal. It is it goes, really. It goes so dark where she literally gets out, she hears the noise, she starts hallucinating, and then there's literally just dead people. And they're not phaser blasts, they're stabbed. They're lacerations. They are, you know, they're, yeah, they are. Yeah, there are lacerations, there's blood everywhere, and we're going, whoa, this is pretty heavy for Trek. Because you didn't get blood in original Treks. You know? Oh, uh, no, you know, it was, it was very PG. Yeah, it was like Voyager, you got blood when it needed to be blood. Like, oh, we've got to take a blood sample. But it wasn't like people getting their heads cut off. No, or come on. Like, come on. Cool. We had people's faces on other people's bodies in Voyager. We had the Vidians. Yeah, they could have been. They looked cool, but they could have been I'm a lot I'm Nicolas more. Cage. Can, can, we, can we just say, like, the most underused villain in all of Trek? I, the really? Vidians deserved so much better than they got. Like mm. you know, when you look at when you look at Voyager and you just kind of go like, sorry, total tangent chat. I'm oh, sorry. it's tangent but time. Literally, when they just go like, oh, okay, here's the Vidians, this super awesome villain that we can totally expand upon and have sort of as, uh, you know, like a villain for like you know holes like seasons, and then they just go like, oh, here's three episodes. Oh, we find a cure now. Cool, sorted. And you're like. Oh wow! Okay, never mind. I also, then, I know. also think as well uh, in terms of the Vidians. I think it was potentially. I mean, unless we speak to someone who was, you know, behind on the show, mm. potentially networks in the nineties thought edgy was still like this is a PG show on a uh, network. There's, there's not much. There's not much difference between them and the Borg, though. Where they're technically, like, when you think that the Borg are basically, they capture you, they cut off your arms or whatever, replace them with mechanical devices or whatever they want. So, oh, you're a doctor, you have a surgical saw. Oh, you're, you know, like a computer guy, you have a scanner or something. And they cut out your eyes, replace you with mechanical parts. That is brutal. I don't see the difference between that and the Vidians being like, hey, we're just going to harvest your organs or, oh, we're just going to steal your skin in order to craft it onto someone else and it, stuff. It could have been the way it was depicted. Potentially yeah, for, it could for have been UPN, the time that it happened. yeah, for UPN mid nineties before. I mean, because videos were before the Borg, uh, mm. UPN mid nineties. It's sort in of like Voyager, but obviously in Voyager, not, yeah. yeah. But it's like, do we really want a show where people remove other people's faces and then wear them and be like, <laughs> and it's yeah, like, yeah, I could sort of. It's I, actually, oh, I, I just feel really annoyed. Like, it is. I, I mean, I agree. I agree. To just vanish but not get a resolution so that they could come back later. Yeah. But instead they kind of go, oh, we found a cure. Therefore the whole race is just not villains anymore. And you're like, I, oh, I really agree. And it's off screen as well. They literally don't, they just go like, oh, we found a cure. Okay, cool. And then we don't, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. it winds me up. Anyway. Um... You know, especially when we're stuck with a fucking, who are they called? The dickheads in season one? Kazons. Yeah. How do we, we get the Kazons for like three seasons or something? And they're rubbish. They, they <laughs> anyway. are. They are just right. 
for, sorry, for those chat, that don't sorry know, for this segue, this, for, this for, tangent. For those that don't know, the Kazon are the space chavs of Star Trek. Yeah. They, they literally are just space chavs. Uh, they have really shit hair because they don't use conditioner. And it's, it's like when people get dreadlocks and they don't manage them properly they were, and then they just yeah. end up being... Yeah. <laughs> you know. They were geared yeah. up to be the main antagonist of the crew of the Voyager and everyone's like, who the Kazon, who the Kazon? And they were shit. <laughs> we can't defend. There is no excuse. They were shit. So they were dispatched and put into a minor role and then the Borg came and 8472 yeah. came who were more... Yeah, the the Kazon look like 80s pop stars. Yes. 80s unwashed pop stars. 80s pop stars in the 90s. Glam rock stars. After the drugs have kicked in. (laughs) Glam rock stars. Iggy Pop, who was in a... Iggy Pop in a humid environment. That's the Kazon. We can can joke about the Kazon being Iggy Pop, but then Iggy Pop has a really good Trek God uh, damn, he does. He's he's a vaulter. Yeah, it's this idea just be like, damn it, Iggy. We can't even take the piss because Iggy Pop was great in Star Trek. You know? God damn it. Yeah, it, they had really shit <laughs> that episode, yeah. that episode. Okay, oh, that sorry, Sarah. Sorry. Peach, Peach, if you're here, you're, you know, uh, her and her husband are working their way through all of... Uh, Spoilers. Yeah, and they've just got to DS9 and we've literally just been like, we kind of spoiled a bit of DS9 that and we kind of spoiled the first three seasons of Voyager. <laughs> So good luck. You'll forget. It's fine. Back to Strange New Worlds. She's hallucinating. She's seen these really like lacerated dead bodies to the right of her. To the left of her, there is another Uhura that tries to attack her. She defends herself, starts twatting her, comes out of it and realises she's broken Kirk's nose. Well, I, I think the best thing here, okay, the, I absolutely love this scene so much because it's horrendous. But basically what happens is she sees the other Uhura, it starts coming for her, it like starts trying to stab her with a knife, and she sort of does move, she dodges away from it, and then she finishes by just punching it in the face, and as soon as it connects, the lights go back up, and it's like, oh, it's not a dream. You know, like, oh, the dream has ended, and it's done so well where the lights just go bang yeah. on as soon as it connects, and then it basically cuts away, it pans out, and it's Kirk on the ground. I wasn't hitting on you. Yeah, that's it. Bloody nose and everything. And it's just like, I mean, I think it's this thing that, considering I don't like Kirk that much, like I didn't like Kirk that much in the original series. It was that whole toxic masculinity vibe to him that obviously all of the old Trek fans love. But for me, I just didn't enjoy it, and I was annoyed that basically they've made Kirk into a kind of comedy character in this one. But it works. Like, I feel like I'm liking Kirk now. Once I've let go of the, oh, but it's not William Shatner, Kirk. Now that I've kind of let go of that a bit, I'm a bit kind of like, I quite like this Kirk. He's not Kirk, but this character is, you know, like... But here is... I, I, I'm learning how to enjoy him, you know? But but here is what you were saying earlier about people not believing her, because they go back to the, the, the quarter, go back to Uhura's quarters, she fixes his nose and she explains what's going on. Kirk believes her because he's like, well, yeah. I've, had, I've had deuterium poisoning, you know, I've, I've had hallucinations and stuff like that, and he's, but he sort of sees her side to it where it's like, well, it happened before uh, I went into the nacelle, I'm hearing these, they're getting stronger and stronger, surely they should be getting weaker. So he, yeah. he, he says, well, 
let my doctor on the Farragut, who is, you know, he's the first officer on, let my doctor on the Farragut give you a second opinion. Mm. And he's like, don't go anywhere. Don't punch superior officers. I will be right back. But it's, it's, it's brilliant because, like earlier on, she went to Spock. Spock is like, logic, logic, logic. Kirk's like, I believe you. Mm. Now, he did this... The, the the alternate Kirk did this when La'an uh, went through to the alternate timeline. He yeah. believed her, all right, to a lesser extent, but he believed her. And I think yeah. Wesley's Kirk, Wesley, is... <laughs> yes, I, I see what you mean about William Shatner's Kirk. Toxic masculinity, it was of its time, whatever. This Kirk is comedy, but as we see throughout the episode, he brings a new dimension to Kirk's character, where he's like, this this is a a well round this is a well rounded, thoughtful, empathetic Kirk, where mm. he will, if you are in trouble, he will believe you know he will listen yeah. to you, he will take you seriously where others w- won't. Um, the whole thing is he's a champion of the underdog. Yes. Like his whole thing is that basically if no one else believes you, Kirk will believe you. And that's exactly what Uhura needs here. That's exactly what Lam needed in her episode. It you know, and, and I think that's really good because it's kind of going, hey, that's the dynamic of him. Mm. Like his, you know, like yeah, although I will say maybe there is an element of trying to get into someone's pants. By being like, if that's okay, if that's cool, the way they go, if if that is the way they go, I will be disappointed because at the at the yeah. moment his character is far above and beyond maybe, what I thought. I think though maybe it starts that way, you know, like where mm. you because I, I have it. Maybe I'm shallow, but if I'm attracted to someone, I'll give them the time of day, and then obviously afterwards it like goes to oh cool okay yeah this is a thing you know I I kind of feel it's done that way so I kind of feel like it's being true to Kirk's Casanova origins yeah, yeah. and stuff while painting him in a really nice, like, sort of, uh, what's the word, altruistic way, I think. Yeah, yeah, and we, we find out why he's like that later on during the scene, but hmm. uh, back on the refinery, they find the uh, the root of the sabotage on the refinery. They find Pelia his... was right. Yeah, Pelia was right. What a shocker. Shock. They find the um, the perpetrator of the sabotage, which is a Starfleet officer, Lieutenant mm. Ramon. Um, he's hallucinating, and he's like, "You're not real. You're not real." Una grounds him and says, "We are real." Beams yeah. him over to the enter- put places him under arrest and beams him over to sickbay on the Enterprise. I, uh, before this, I really like how well they've done this. I really oh, yes. like how you know how because i the tension in this scene i genuinely felt like he was gonna jump up and stab una like it genuinely it was like a bomb diffusing scene where like una was kind of going okay we are real and it was done really nice but she does it in a way where it's not aggressive yeah where it's not aggressive she like puts Um, her hand on his shoulder yeah and he's like and he it's like he sees the the actual world and he's like are you real you know and it's a good grounding technique yeah, because yeah. surely you could just be like, teleport him to sickbay, knock him out. You know, like you could really heavy-handedly do it, but Una deals with it really well. Yeah. Uh, back in Uhura's quarters, she hears a red alert, runs mm. to the bridge, 
sits there, Pikes, we're under attack by an enemy. As he's talking, the bridge view screen cracks, blows out, and everyone gets sucked into space. Guys, except for Uhura. Except for Uhura, but yeah. this is the reason why you should not have a grass glass front on your bridge. <laughs> this is why. Although in Nemesis they did fuck up the wall. Anyway, <laughs> she comes out but, with it. Yeah, but how good is this though? That it's like she's literally how authentic the hallucinations oh, are. God. Where she genuinely thinks it's happening. She runs all the way to bridge, uh, to the bridge. And then basically this happens and we see sort of Pike and Spock being sucked out, obviously CG, but mm. being sucked out to space. But then the brilliant thing is basically like it just shows her sitting in a seat watching all of this. And then it just snaps back to Pike being like, aren't you meant to be off on medical yes. leave? <laughs> and she's like, what? Oh, you know, and, and you're like, this is getting serious because like that was one hell of a hallucination that you managed to walk across the entire ship while in it. <laughs> That's get to the bridge, but and as, then, you know. But as she takes him to the ready room, we get a scene. This is the first scene where Pike meets Kirk because Kirk comes back from the Farragut. Now, yeah, we keep forgetting all these characters have never met Kirk, even though they have in earlier episodes. Now, <laughs> gatekeepers and some hardcore trekkies, you know, hardcore trekkies have have mm. fairly said in the original series, um, Kirk says he never met Captain Pike. Okay. In this scene, we see Pike meeting Kirk, right? Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, well, oh, they've brought cannon. They've absolutely, they've shot cannon. They've crapped it all out. And I'm like, <laughs> right. However, in the Menagerie, part one, Captain Kirk says, I met Captain Pike when he was promoted to fleet captain. Mm. They promoted Captain Pike temporarily at the beginning of this episode yeah. to fleet captain. This is a genius way <laughs> to circumnavigate the cannon because they've gone back and they've said, yeah, this is what Kirk said. How do we get around it? Well, we're doing this. Let's promote him to fleet captain because he is in charge of a fleet temporarily. Yeah. Doesn't break cannon. <laughs> Does not break cannon. Well done to the writers Pay your fucking writers because <laughs> only these people could get around these continuity bollocks that we see on screen. To do yeah. that, to promote him to fleet captain, just to justify two people meeting on screen. Yeah, no, it, it, it's incredibly well done. And it's this idea of like, this is why with big franchises, you need lawmasters, where you need the people who literally go... I know all of the things and then you reference them like uh, I know that like Games Workshop when Games Workshop used to do good products um you know so before Age of Sigma um they had like lawmasters who were basically the people who <laughs> I'm trying to skirt over you um, salty the, bitch the people who knew everything yeah like where they just went hey can this happen can this happen how does this work like could this character ever meet this character and they would just be like no like you know or no this or yes, is yeah maybe in this and it's how important it is because it's and this is why you need to respect the fan base this is why a lot of the time the person doing stuff needs to be a fan like terry metallis because he just goes he does a lot of their work for them yeah you know and you can bet that if it was like a a crap writer he'd probably get it and then be like 
hang on, this can't happen, you know. And it's it's the fact that you can bend canon and you can slightly adjust it to suit modern art audiences, modern aesthetics, mm-hmm. or everything like that. But when it's like it it it's when something is important or when something is like hard based in fact. The, you can think of genius ways and it's only those those dedicated fans that can say well you can do it by technically doing this or technically yeah. doing that and this is this was i know it's such a minor fucking thing that we are talking about yeah. but honestly guys never underestimate the the unbelievable tenacity of a trekkie to <laughs> blow something up way out of proportion because if they'd have just kept Pike as Captain Pike and Kirk and and Pike had met, they would have, all week they would have tore this show a new one. They would have tore this show. By just doing this minor little change to his rank, they'd be like, there you go, justified. Well done. Absolutely well done. But they do meet. Kirk's come back with the medical findings uh, and he says, hey, you've got this guy who you've arrested, uh, Lieutenant Ramon, on the refinery. We got a call about him a few days ago where he was hallucinating, his friends were worried, and he was hearing things that aren't there. Ring any bells, Uhura? Yeah, which basically, like, vindicates, like, Uhura, which is great, you know, that, yeah. you know, Kirk has been there for her. Yeah, they go back to sickbay. They are trying to talk this to, to this mm-hmm. lieutenant. And Omega's like, well, good luck, because his speech and language centres are completely fried. They are severely mm-hmm. uh, damaged. Uh, as they are talking, Ramon hears the noises, and Uhura knows that he is hearing yeah. the noises. He cuts Umbenga with a scalpel yeah. and does a runner out of sickbay. And Pike being Pike, he's just like, ah, security! Yeah. You know, the the fleet captain goes after the dangerous <laughs> criminal with a sharp instrument, as you do. Um, Kirk and Uhura... I, go I, I do like, though, as, as soon as Ramon leaves, the security officer takes a shot at him with a phaser. I assume it's a phaser. Yeah, yeah. But... Yeah. It makes a sound like a blaster from Star Wars. It was a, it was a blaster noise from uh, yeah. Lucasfilm. Yeah, and I was like, "What?" Like you know, I was just like, "This is the weirdest little yeah, the weirdest little crossover thing." Where it was just like, "That is literally that's a unique sound effect for you know like Star Wars, and it's in fact, and that ties in with what we were saying earlier about it's a very Transformers noise, yeah. <laughs> like for the sound as ILM come back." <laughs> ILM yeah. must have come back. Yeah, we'll see the Millennium Falcon next week. Um, <laughs> yeah, so they run out. They're on the hunt for Ramon. We see mm. Pike and the security officer first. They find the the, the down crewman who, who has got massive laceration on her abdomen. And yeah. you're like, She's been stabbed to fuck by yes. Ramon. Yes. Like, this is how deep the hallucinations are to the point where you, you almost wonder if Ahura was seeing what she's going to do after these hallucinations after a while like where we saw all the corpses earlier and there's a bit of foreshadowing about like going are you gonna go nuts and start killing people or horror which i think is a nice little sort of i think that's what yeah, she's worried at this point thing. yeah yeah um la laan meets uh pike and the security officer at, at the downed crewman the security officer waits for medical laan and pike go after ramon uh yeah. we see um uh, Kirk and Ahura searching. She then feels that the walls are closing in. Great. I, I love the way that they shot this. 
Mm-hmm. It was it was a great way to depict claustrophobia, and I, yeah. I, I don't know how they did it. I would love to know how I, they I did. I think it's this. one of these things. I think I think it might be CG, but it might be just a really clever camera trick. Because what we see is we see like a long distance shot of a horror in the corridor, but then the corridor gets smaller around her, like closes in on her, but she stays the same. And I don't know if that's some clever camera work because you know what you can do with like. Dolly zoom. Where you, you know, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I forgot what it's called, but it's that thing, you know, where you sort of have you induce vertigo because you basically make something stay still. It's, it's literally it's called the vertigo effect. Oh right, yeah. yeah okay, was, that's that's the because uh, I, I remember annoying Paul with it when they did Jaws because I was like, ah, oh, they pioneered the vertigo effect. Let me tell yeah. you about this. Well, I nearly mentioned earlier. I forgot um, that I got a wonderful note here about the the juxtapose that we get earlier where basically when they find Ramon before they be when Una finds Ramon like cowering in a corner like sitting in a particular position like sort of raving to himself mm. uh, and then it does that whole scene they teleport him over to the Enterprise and then we see it goes into that exact same shot of Ahura on sitting on the sofa in the exact same seating position yeah. and it's like a juxtapose of basically going hey the what's happening to him is going to happen to her and it was a wonderful little bit of cinematography it's a good little foreshadowing yeah. isn't it as well yeah that's it and it, it kind of just goes hey cool that's the later stage of her yeah <laughs> so she's feeling that the walls are closing in kirk like una grounds her she makes a decision to go back to sick bay on her own whilst kirk comes for ramon uh, Pike and Kirk and Laan meet, and I love the fact that Laan goes, "Hello, James," or it, just James. This is this is so awkward. It's it such is. a it's a beautiful, wonderful, wonderful scene because I I love Alan. Like I think Hello, she James. is such a fantastic character, and it's obviously for a bit of background. If you guys haven't watched the episode yet, it's the fact of they had an episode together where they went back in time together. Yeah. Uh, and Lan basically fell in love with Kirk. They worked together. She discovered she had feelings for him. And then when they fixed the problem, all of that timeline got reversed except for Lan. So he doesn't remember ever meeting her before. And she's in love with him and has had this experience with him. And then she meets him here for the first time in person. And she's like, and you can tell that there's that kind of, how do I get into his pants? Despite never ever actually meeting him, and he has no idea who I am. Because they've only had one FaceTime call. Just a bit like, okay. They've only had one phone call together, one FaceTime call as well. well Which is awkward. Which is awkward. She was just like, hi, I'm just calling you for no reason whatsoever. And she does pull him up. Yeah, he he does pull her up on that later on in the the, the episode. Which I think is great. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we spoke. You're a very diligent security officer calling me about that minor thing that you would never call about. Um, (laughs) It's so good. They can't find Ramon, so they, they all decide to double back, so they go their separate ways again. On her way back to sickbay, though, Ahura does find a drop of blood on the floor, mm. leading up to an access, Jeffrey's tube, which is... Now, I have to say, I I blinked and missed this, okay? I think I checked my phone at this point, and I didn't see the her discovering the bit of blood, but it's the fact of, he is a psychopath, and yet he's put the door back on properly. And I just felt... It was a bit weird. <laughs> like, You've got to maintain health and safety. I know that, but like, OSA we describe this bitch. guy as an absolute nutter, and then Ahura's just like, oh, I'll carefully take off this door. And you're like, hang on, he put that back. You know, he, he took the door hatch off, then put it back on behind him, and then got back to being like, ooh. <laughs> Great little design. Crazy things. 
great little design of the Jeffrey's tube. Very, it is exactly like it was in the original series as well. The Jeffrey's tube leads up to the Portner cell. Um, my only issue Can about I say Portner cell is my favourite term in all of Trek. Portner cell. I I know nothing about like um, mechanics. I know absolutely nothing about sort of ships or anything. I just love the term nacelle. It's a re- it's a real it, yeah. It's a real it engineering term. It literally took me. It took me until halfway through, like next generation, to realize what parts of the ship they were referring to. I was just like, "Oh well, there's a port nacelle somewhere, and there's a problem with it." It's a it's a it's a real engineering term uh, on an aircraft and, and other vehicles as well. The the, the nacelle. Um, the only issue I had with this, uh, I mean, it's me being really pedantic. They're on deck four. Deck four is in the saucer section. How the fuck did she get? How lost did she get? Where she was at the access tube of the port nacelle. Let, let's not get into, let's not get into the that, physics no. of yeah. how you get around a ship. Let's not like, get into it. It's very TOS, the physics. Yeah. Where it, it's the whole thing where it's just like, oh no, we've got five minutes to get to engineering. And you're like, that's miles. And then they're like, oh, we did it in a minute. And you're like, hang on. Yeah, hang Adam, on. Adam's, <laughs> Adam's just confirmed there the inside of a wind turbine is also a nacelle as well. Is it? Yes. Oh, is that. Yes, I'm, le- I'm learning things. So she says, <laughs> she says, I've located Ramon. He's in, you know, he's he's in the the partner cell. Mm. Instead of waiting, she goes after them as as she does. When she gets up to the access, you know, with the 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 I don't know what they call the control room of the nacelle, yeah. she tries to ground him again. She she basically says, I am real. You know, my name's Niota. Yeah. Uh, I'm from. I was born in Kenya. My first memory was my father playing the piano. He's not understanding a word. And you can tell yeah. that on his face. Well, that's the thing. He is just terrified. He is frantic. He is listening yeah. to something else, pretty much, that's telling him to do all of these things. Now, I thought this was a bit weird because obviously we have... She is basically talking him down, talking him yeah. down from the ledge. He is about to do something that'll blow up the port nacelle. He's ba- basically doing something very dangerous to the ship. She is trying to talk him down. And it makes me just go, did they not have a stun setting in these days they did couldn't she just go stun him <laughs> you know like and and instead she talks him down and i'm a bit like going i know it's for dramatic effect they do but, yeah. <laughs> um but like yeah wouldn't I... it have been easier just to be like okay cool so and then i'll reason with you when you're not destroying the ship potentially <laughs> yeah i agree i, know I agree that no but i i do agree I think to get around that, they would have said, oh, well, it's dangerous to... I'd be to... fucking cowboy. I'd be so cowboy with a stun setting. I'd be like, oh, it's only stun. <laughs> stun maybe, you, stun you. <laughs> maybe they said it was dangerous to detonate a weapon inside the nacelle because of all the deuterium. Maybe. Perhaps. Maybe, to be fair. It could be something like that, but it, I don't feel like they said. <laughs> yeah, she could have stealthily just like, Hakiba! Yeah, or, or, or it had like a little message or something saying like, sort of like, you know, like, uh, don't make me stun you because it might yeah. cause a problem or something. And we're yeah. like, oh, that's why she hasn't done that, you know. However, it does all go, it does all go Pete Tong. Uh, Kirk is there, rescues her emergency beam out. Ramon jettisons the fuel pods in the nacelle, blows up the nacelle, and we get a great animation of Ramon being fired off into space and just immediately succumbing to the vacuum of space. I like how wonderful this is, though. It's the fact of basically Kirk sort of goes in there, grabs Uhura, 
oh, there's an emergency beam out. Ahura goes, no, like, wait. And then they get beamed out, and then immediately is when the explosion happens. So if they hadn't have transported at that very second, they would both be dead. All three this of is them why Chief Kyle, we never see him because he's always at his post. Yeah. Well, that's it. It's the idea of who, you know, he does a great job. He's but, not there, but, but he's there. Of, I, and I love how good, how punchy this episode is. The It's not really an action episode, but then the action in it is so good. It's so satisfying, you know? Back in sickbay, the we find out that the crewman who was uh, stabbed is dead, unfortunately. Um, Do they uh, get a name? No. Are they just a dead crewman? No name. Okay. Uhura Dave. wants to be confided into quarters because she fears that she's going to become uh, like Ramon. Mm. Pike says, well, as Ramon is now dead, Starfleet has given us permission to go through his medical records and his personal logs, and I need you to go mm. through them whilst we try and get, you know, ascertain what damage has been done to the refinery and the Enterprise. Because, obviously, the nacelles blew up on the Enterprise, so they ain't going to warp speed anytime (laughs) soon. Um, Can you travel without the nacelles? You can travel with one. Don't you need them for impulse? No, because you've got the impulse engines. The nacelles create the subspace bubble which envelops the ship which allows it to travel through subspace uh, to warp speed but i thought the nacelles also did impulse you know like like i know they can't do the warp bubble but yeah okay that's all right there's impulse engines on the back of the sorter so in the intro when you see those red squares and heat coming off those are Mm. the impulse engines on the back of the ship the warp nacelles they don't do anything. They just gen- they generate the bubble. So the coils mm. in it create the bubble, which uh, propels the ship through subspace or warp mm. speed, allows it to travel at yeah. the speed of light. Um, so you can. We found out in Star Trek you can travel at warp with one nacelle, but it obviously not as fast, <laughs> yeah. because obviously they are they are. Crippled. Uh, Adam Bailey says uh, it's why the saucer section doesn't need them on the D. Um, why the saucer section doesn't need them on the D? Why on the the impulse engines or the or the, or the warp nacelles? Yeah, because the warp nacelles on the Enterprise D there is none on the saucer section, so that's why they explain that when they're separate, they can only travel at impulse speeds because there's no warp nacelles. Yeah. Um, sorry, I just got really confused for a minute there. My headset tried to. Rip my head off. Um, I just love that you know all of this knowledge. I can bring in utter nonsense, but you actually know all of the Star I have, Trek lore. And I'm like, wait. I have no life. Um, <laughs> I have no life. That's Yes, that's why on the uh, Prometheus, there is an itty bitty tiny little warp cell behind the bridge. Warp cell behind the bridge, so that when that's separated, it can still travel at warp. Is that, is, that, is that what Adam's saying in the chat about the saucer section? The saucer section of the Enterprise D, when it separated, it could only the saucer could only travel at impulse speed because it didn't have any warp nacelles. The mm. star drive could. So what they yeah. were saying is, in case of emergencies, you evacuate everyone to the saucer section. They fly away and then they the, just the well, drive... they're just pissing around at impulse speed. So it's like get all the women and children on here. Maybe they'll starve to death. Yeah, you know, like maybe wow. it'll take them five years to get to a planet. You know? Wow, that's very dark. That took that took a dark. <laughs> I love the idea. It just began being like, okay, get rid of this shit. I hate kids. Fuck Picard Day. Yeah, because there's, no there's no warp. There's no warp core. 
Yeah. yeah, it's literally just the idea of just going like, I, unless there is something in the science, but obviously it very much kind of says this is a temporary thing. Yeah, like, yeah. You yeah, don't yeah. if if one part of the ship gets destroyed, it's just prolonging the inevitable that everyone is fucked. You well, know? the original the original Enterprise, uh, Matt Jeffries did design the original Enterprise to separate, and it was proposed in the motion picture that they would separate mm. the ship and everything like that. Uh, I think they did it in Star Trek Beyond as well, but it wasn't until the next generation where you, you saw it separate. And again, it's like an mm. emergency procedure because obviously evacuate everyone because the saucer is a giant lifeboat in an emergency situation. If the warp yeah. core is going to explode, get everyone in there, go to sublight so you've got enough distance because when the, the star drive blows up, obviously it's antimatter. It'll take anything within a God knows how many miles radius, how many kilometers radius. Um, the saucer <laughs> shall, the saucer section shall be known as the sitting duck from now on. The sitting D. It, it really is the sitting D. The sitting. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Back to the show. Um, <laughs> Back to the show. Yeah. So, uh, out, outside of Sick Bay, Laan and Kirk get to meet for the second time, a little bit more yeah. informally this time, and uh, she immediately assumes that him and her are sort of like knocking boots. It's a proper jealous. It's a proper sort of like, oh, oh, I guess you, you, you know. And and you can I I love this because Lana's is basically being demonstrated as such a cold character. She's yeah. such a sort of like, you know, very serious. She's like Odo, and it's so wonderful seeing her opening up and basically starting to be a bit like, hmm, maybe I am in love with someone. This is very awkward, you know. But then and I quite like it. But we get that great speech from Kirk where because obviously Ahura is a stranger to him at this point, and mm. he says, you know, we I my family never saw. Uh, my father we were chasing him from post to post um, and he was always helping strangers and Latan says so you basically thought why is he helping strangers and not being with his family and not helping his family not being with yeah. his family um, and he, he puts a twist on it which I thought was quite nice because although there is a, a minor harbour of resentment he does say well if my father believed that helping strangers was important it must have been very important to help strangers so I am mm. in turn helping well it's also the juxtapose here that doesn't get pointed out in the episode is the idea of you know we're saying that about his father where his father's not paying attention to his real family in order to help out strangers mm. and then what we see in this episode is kirk helping a stranger uhura and ignoring his family sam yeah by not dealing with the actual animosity and the problem that he's having with sam and he just lets that go. He's just like, oh, fuck it. Who cares about that? You know, like the same like his father was with him and his family. So it's it's interesting that it's like we suffer. Well, what's the phrase about we, we suffer the mistakes of our parents or something like that? You know, where we fall into the same... Oh, I, there's, a, there's a quote or something about the sins it, of it, our fathers or something. Yeah, like it, that. it feels yeah. like that. It feels very much like he's being his dad in every way. <laughs> Back on the refinery, uh, more tension between Una and Pelia, and then Una just Una uh, Pelia just snaps. What is your problem with me? I yeah, I love this. She she's just like, why are you being such a dick about this? Because because Pelia is being sensible. Pelia yeah. is trying to work through the thing, and and Una is just being cold and a bitch. She's basically like, she's, she's you're insubordinate. You you're sloppy. You've got crumbs. When <laughs> yeah, did you is, have time it... to eat? <clears throat> 
Yeah, and then she calls her a space that, like, literally hippie. Literally, her uniform is like in terrible condition. Yeah. Space hippie. Yeah, that's it. I, although I bet I think the best thing is like uh, Una's talking to her, and <laughs> and Pelia just says, "That is malarkey," and you know oh. it. Which is the best that that is the line of the episode. That is malarkey. That is malarkey. Yeah, and then she also <laughs> comes back with a great snapback where she says, "You know, you have Pelia accuses Una of be, have." Get, I've gotten used to um, being the smartest person in the room. Yeah. And then Una comes back. And I like this because Una snaps back and she goes, you have been in Starfleet since before I was born, yet I outrank you. Yeah. Why is that? Here's the interesting thing, though. What we were saying earlier, okay? Now, here's my crazy theory I think maybe Pellier could turn into a villain. Maybe <gasps> Pellier could be a twist in the series. No. In, well, no, in, in regards to she's so mysterious because the way that this encounter ends with her, with like Una being like, well, why do I outrank you? And Pellier's just like, we'll get that work done and just change the subject. And it's very, and it feels very much like Pellier deliberately isn't high rank and that she could be if she wanted to but there's some reason why like and i don't know they're just i i like that they're giving pelia this crazy you know they've they've said okay already she's like a villain where she basically steals artwork and stuff and it's in a fun way Mm -hmm. but there's this sort of crazy streak to her and let's think about it she just appears on the ship she literally just appears on the ship and then just goes like, oh, cool, I'm going to be your head science officer, uh, your head engineer now, uh, chief engineer. And I don't know, I think it'd be fun if they went, actually, she's got malicious intent. But um, what I, I think... will say about this, like me sympathizing with Pellia is that I got this all the time at like uh, one of my jobs years ago where I am unprofessional, okay? You know me. <laughs> I'm taking the piss, I'm saying stupid stuff, I'm being scatterbrained, I'm being, I'm like, you know, I'm wearing like, you know, this shirt and stuff, or I'm like unshaved or whatever. But I'm incredibly good at my job. And a lot of people see that and they're like, oh, well, you're not like dressed properly or, oh, you weren't in work at exactly sort of 9am or you weren't like, oh, you took a longer lunch break than needed or something like that. And they think that's what matters rather than doing the job well. And it feels very, very much like Una being like, hey, I pride myself on this, therefore you have to pride yourself on this. I've had so many arguments over the years with people because they didn't like my staff because I let them turn up five minutes late. And I was like, oh, cool, yeah, you couldn't get parking, that's fine. Five minutes doesn't mean anything. And they're like, no, no, the rules are, you have to be doing this. And I'm like, why? I... I don't greeting customers. They don't need to be here at 9 a.m. if there's other people here. So, and I'm very much like that and get the impression that I am classed as a space hippie of, you know, like my... I'm 100% education. with you. I, I am 100% with you. Back you get in... people where they would... Uh, where Sorry, I'll keep on with the rant, but basically you get, you get people where they go, oh, uh, your shirt isn't tucked in. So I'm going to give you uh, like a warning or something, or I'm going to sort of like complain to the higher ups about you yeah. rather than going, hey, your work is amazing and it really helped us. You know, and it's like, 
weird thing where some people go, oh yeah, she's a terrible employee, but she's always on time and she's always like happy and she's always dressed properly. And you're like, yeah, but she's crap at her job, you know? And it's, but that matters more to some people than actual getting things right. I, I, and we kind of see that between Una and Talia here. I absolutely agree with you because I'm very much of, in my previous job, I'm very much... I will wear Hawaiian shirts. I will act funny. I will use comedy. My desk is covered in Hot Wheels. And it's like, I do these things to cope with the absolute monstrosity of depression that has befallen upon me for doing this job. And that is my coping Mm. mechanism. In my current job, it's like, hey, I mean, not at the moment, but it's like, I've got frosted tips. I use memes. <laughs> I reply to people in the form of a gif on Teams. Yeah. I I have a laugh. I I mean, admittedly, there was a period in my job which might have been unprofessional where I changed my signature to just be kind tray guards, and it was like a little gif of tray guard from Nightmare. <laughs> but and for the one percent of the IT department that would get this reference, I but it's like, a case of silly. it's a case of. You do what you need to do to to cope with your job, to do your job, yeah. and and make sure that you yourself are coping, uh, are, 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 are mentally able to continue. And it's like, mm-hmm. this is... You, you've seen it, like, uh, today, and it's like, yes, I... It's, it's, it's... People joke about the frosted tips, people joke about the Hawaiian shirts, and it's like... I do these things to not only make myself feel better, but make others around me feel better. Because when you work in certain jobs like I work in, it's depressing. It's hard. You mm. you deal with, let's be honest, shit every day. If you can make just one person feel better, brighter, or just make yourself uh, make the day easy for yourself by just like, oh, I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to have a hot wheel. I'm going to have a long lunch. I'm going to go and have a coffee. I'm going to sit somewhere and have a coffee and just think yeah. about it. If the work is done and if that makes you feel better, do it. And I am a huge, huge supporter of taking care of yourself uh, mentally and obviously physically, but taking care of your mental health. Do what you need to do to get through the day. So... But that's it. It's the idea of if you are comfortable, you will make the other people around you comfortable. Yes. It's that idea of if you are like a force of basically calm, you will make the people around you calm. If you are sitting there angry as fuck, like um, what was it? We I referenced it earlier in the week. Um, what are we talking? We were talking about um. It was the podcast we were just on, on, um, yeah, no, yeah, we were talking on the Disney podcast we just had yeah. on Sunday, we were talking about Hades uh, from Disney's Hercules, yes. and about how he is the perfect representation of middle management, yeah. where he is so upset, he is so angry, he is past the point where when he comes into the office, he is ready to kill everyone and scream at everyone, and it was the most, and I just love the idea of thinking as Hades of just this this guy who's just like, I've tried for years to fix things and no one will listen to me, so I'm just angry at everyone all the time. And it feels very much like that's what happens when you're not listened to. That's what happens when you sort of have a shit job and you're not allowed to do your own thing with it. And that doesn't help anyone, you no. know? No. but if We've gone massively off topic here, but I... take it back. I love how Pellier is 
exactly how I am at my job and how I think anyone who has been around for a very long time should be, where you're going, I only care about the things that matter. And I've realized that having crumbs on my uniform doesn't affect my ability to do my job. You know, it's like, and also I've done this enough times to go, hey, it looks like there's an underlying issue here. We should look into that, you know, and and I, yeah, I like Pellia. I very, very much respect her. I, I will say one more thing. If people, the Tories. I will say two more things. <laughs> Fuck the Tories. Um, <laughs> after last night, they did it themselves. If, um, sorry, <laughs> if, if people, I'm not being a big head of anything like that, but people, I, I, my job is, people, a lot of people say, I don't know how you do your job, right? Because it is a difficult job. If people see me dealing with the shit that I deal with, yet still able to smile, have a joke, come in with frosted tips and a Hawaiian shirt, it will make themselves feel better about their situation because they're like, well, if he could deal with that, as well as shoveling the shit, I can do better. Set an example. Set an yeah, example for people. Set an example, I think. You know. Back to and the that's show. exactly what Pellia has, does in this yes. scene. And I think it's really good. She's a scene Although, stealer. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I love just malarkey. Just where does... Malarkey. This line feels like it's improvised, but I kind of like the idea that the writers decided, no, this is how Pellia is going to be. And that was in the script, you know. Back in Uhuru's quarters, Kirk and Uhuru are going through remote personal logs and they're listening to the fact that he feels that he is losing his mind. He can hear these voices. No one's believing him. Uhura basically says, I, you know, judging by the dates of these logs, I've got a day and a half before I completely lose my mind. Kirk being Kirk, he's like, let's go have some scram. Let's take a break. <laughs> let's go eat. I hear the mess hall has got cookies and none of those protein resequencer crap. They are got real ones. And she's like, yeah. I don't want a cookie. But then we get a real... Now, this is, for me... What kind of person refuses a cookie? I know. I mean, really, this, know. Is, this, this little bit of the scene was very rep- <clears throat> reminiscent of the end of The Wrath of Khan, where Uhura explains that she lost her parents. remember cookies and Rafa Khan. Yeah, no, well, I'll get to it. You'll understand. You'll <laughs> the Rafa Khan and then they all get cookies out there. The I've been r- to Millie's in Elton Square. The Wrath of P. Khan. Anyway, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> she basically explained that she lost her parents and her brother in a shuttle accident. She never saw, uh, she never went to the scene of the accident. She saw photos, but she couldn't look at her photos of her parents or anything like that she threw herself into work and when mm. uh, Hema died she did the same thing she she just couldn't cope she never faced death head on and she's speaking to Kirk and explaining to Kirk that she has never faced death head on now at the end of the Wrath of Khan if anyone's remembered it at the end of the Wrath of Khan Kirk's son David says the same thing to Kirk you have never faced death head on have you you've cheated death mm. you know you, you've you've found a way to escape death but you've never faced death head on and kirk in this scene again paul wesley playing kirk he you know he just basically is, it, it just says you know look we've we the jobs we do we put our lives on the line every day you have chosen a coping mechanism that helps you deal with get on with the job 
basically but is unhealthy but is it's, unhealthy it's not dealing with the problem it's ignoring the problem and you can't you know when it's no, as pre can't. prevalent as it is in this job yeah you you can't you can't but he then at the end he's like i'm gonna go get the cookie because <laughs> yeah. kirk kirk being kirk it's food first rule of survival food cookies cookies specifically cookies yeah. or apples depending on i remember that on bear grills and he's like you know he's like got cookies but he's like no i'll drink my own piss that's fine anyway <laughs> kirk goes to the mess hall to get the cookie uh ahura goes through the uh youtube tutorial that she did with hammer that's what i'm gonna call it um <laughs> and hammer says you know in order to uh do the diagnosis you need to turn down the gain on the subspace rate this triggers something in her head or else it will overload it will overload he mentions she realizes something goes to find kirk kirk has come back he's like i've got the last cookie she's like i don't care about the stupid <laughs> cookie and i'm like hell yeah it looked like a really nice cookie but she basically says that um what if well, she she brings out a pad showing the ramon's brain, brain scan, scan that demonstrates that his his whole language center has been burned out specifically and the same thing is happening to hers and she theorizes that actually what's happening is there's something trying to communicate with her but uh, it's coming on so strong that it's actually burning out her language center in her brain yeah and therefore, she's got to decrypt what's been happening to her into some form of language. Because someone is communicating, or something is communicating. Mm. And I love the fact that James just goes, you want to go speak to Sam, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Because, because he knows he how awkward it is. Yeah, but he knows how awkward it's going episode. to be. They go to Sam, and, and Sam basically posturizes that it's, it postulates sorry that it's potentially extra-dimensional life forms which have latched onto matter in our universe but they don't have the sophistication to 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 contact us in conventional ways they can't communicate the way that we can mm -hmm. this is when who realizes that what they are doing they're communicating by causing the hallucinations and using memories to symbolize what they are trying to get across so then she realizes that the which is absolutely wonderful it's because it's it it reminds me of like this is such a fan show like mm. because it reminds me of uh, Darmok and Jalad. A Tanagra. Yeah, a Tanagra where it's the idea of oh you've had this Peach. What did you think of this episode, Peaches? What what did you what did you reckon about Darmok and Jalad at Jalagra? Uh, Peaches. What the actual episode is called. It's so good because you just go whoa. Trek is really intelligent. But the the so what's happening is. These are communicating with her through analogy, where basically they're going, hey, you're remembering a scene and an emotion that means something to you, which is what we are trying to express to you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so basically the, the thing inside the head is like triggering memories or situations or creating situations that mirror the feelings it has. And... It's genius. It's, it's, it's genius, genius because she she goes well. The closing in of the walls, they feel trapped. The the zombie hammer, as we'll call him, we are, uh, and the bodies, we are attacking them. Um, the bridge exploding, they want to be free. Um, we are killing them, and they are terrified. And it's it's genius that this 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 these extra dimensional beings are are you know they've identified how to trigger certain emotions within Ahura mm. to try and get a message across. Um, 
So she determines that the aliens are living in the deuterium and the ships are harvesting the deuterium, processing it through their engines, and we are killing their life forms because mm. essentially we are we are slaughtering them for fuel. They are the dinosaurs of space uh, that we are now using in the petrol tank, for want of a better analogy. And it's like, which, is, which is kind of surreal, it is. to be perfectly honest. It it really is. They are like the the space algae. That yeah, that's what they are. And, um, and yeah, and it's very much like I just noticed in the chat. Uh, Timber, is, arms Timber wide. with arms wide. It's like goodwill. His shirt off. <laughs> wow. So she um she, she communicates with the bridge and she says we have to stop the refinery going online. Pike's going too late. It was activated five minutes ago. As they are uh, legging it to the bridge. Una and Pelia can't shut off the refinery because the damage that Ramon did is far too great. They can't mm. override it. As Uhura gets to the bridge, she's transported back to the field where the smoke was, where the noise was, and she turns around and there is the crash shuttle of her parents. Mm. And this time, the hallucination takes her into the shuttle and she plucks up the bravery to move forward into the shuttle yeah. she never saw her parents bodies she never looked at the you know she never saw the crash site she's pushing her way forward she grounds herself into the bridge and they explain to pike kirk and her explained to the you know kirk's like captain there are aliens and, and you know there are aliens in the nebula and this is and she's like we are killing them and yeah. this is another way where you said that pike after it's explained to Pike, Pike is like, "I believe you." I, I the, the, this episode makes me flip flop so much. Okay, where basically the whole I got annoyed earlier because mm. Spock doesn't believe Ahura, whereas the whole thing is that you should believe you know people in Trek, and that's how it's always worked in the past. But I think Pike is a bit hasty here because basically think? what Ahura is saying is, "Hey, we've spent." years maybe months developing this new sort of what, what is it like factory essentially yeah it's like, like a this refinery sort of di- a petrol station plant. in space yeah so. like this re- this refining center and we see it and it's huge it's like the, it's much much bigger than like any starships like starships are like a tiny dot next to it it's this it's, huge thing it's a cgi been... it's a cgi reuse of that starbase with a sail is on it? it yeah ah, sorry sorry like... for being boring but go ahead sorry but, it, but, you know, it's absolutely massive monumental yeah, yeah, yeah. thing that a lot of time and effort has gone into. And obviously, they've had whole engineering crews trying to fix it up. And then Uhura just kind of goes, hey, I can't prove any of this to you whatsoever, but you need to blow that up. <laughs> you know, and, and they do it. And it's just this idea of just going, no, no, even, even I would be a bit like, I'm going to need more evidence. <laughs> you know, like, I, I'm going to need something more. But they do. Like Pike just goes, "Okay, cool. We'll it's evacuate all of the engineering yeah. crews from it. Everyone leaves the thing, and then Uhura gets to give the uh, signal where she sets, uh, tells them to fire the torpedoes, and uh, Otega fires them, and the whole station blows up. But and we see zombie enemies. We, we, but why we... doesn't the deuterium ignite?" We see, just before we see that, we see Zombie Hemmer on the bridge. Yes. As the station explodes, we see actual Hemmer 
and then he disappears, which I thought was a little bit cheesy. Yeah, so basically, while she's telling them we need to destroy the station, there's a hallucination of zombie Hammer yeah. staring at her on the bridge, and it's kind of creepy. Mm. And then when it does get dis- when she does destroy the station, and like the risk to them is now gone, it fades into being good. Ha- no, it, it appears as good Hammer again to represent to her, you've done the right thing, you saved the day. And then it slowly fades away, the, showing that the aliens are like happy now. The deuterium doesn't uh, detonate. Is a good is a good point. I don't. Well, think... I was literally like going, "Hang on, I Surely don't think any I... kind of warp fuel explode." Because I'm pretty sure in TNG we've got stuff where they had pockets of deuterium that get used to you know distract someone or something no that was an insurrection it was like a a, a gaseous uh thing i don't think it was deuterium i think deuterium right. only reacts um when it it comes into contact i think it's it's essentially like fuel and air yeah reacts when it's compressed and then obviously that's the catalyst with deuterium so, it, so, so it would be like sort of an explosion not setting off the oxygen in the atmosphere yeah basically. yeah so when, because oxygen doesn't work that way in a in a warp core you have deuterium, which is matter, and you have antimatter. They come into contact. They they cause a massive, huge release of energy. To control that energy, they use a dilithium crystal, which is sort of a... Um, I don't know what they call it in science, and I, I used to know the term, but it's sort of like it manages, it mitigates the explosion, and it refines mm. the energy produced... Uh, so it's then allowed to be transferred to the necessary areas of the ship. It's like, you know, like an engine, there's an ignition. Mm. The ignition is then transferred to where it needs to go. Like the the, the suck, squeeze, bang, blow. Yeah. That's a, for want of a better term. Um, so I don't think this would ignite, but it does. I, I, I'm not sure. It does raise a good point. It, it just felt a bit weird for me that they would just be like okay (laughs) well then you would say if that was the case if they flew the ship through with impulse engines which are hot and stuff like that would it ignite when the impulse engines were going through it do you know what i mean so i bet there's an explanation yeah i I think it's great though that we can have this kind of discussion about trek like that the science is so deep in trek Mm. that there will be somewhere someone being like oh yeah it doesn't react that way because they used this kind of missile or because it was this kind of explosion there's going to be some explanation there and that's the joy of the dilithium crystal is that yeah the dilithium crystal is a catalyst for the energy release that's that's what it is yes thank you very much it's um uh because there was there was a whole thing like with Star Trek First Contact, they were like, oh, how did Zevra Cochran, Cochran have a dilithium crystal to engage? And someone said it was like, he actually used the nuclear, um, the the because it was a missile that he used. And they said mm. that he actually used the, the nuclear warhead. So I think he used like the, what do they call it? It's the, in a warhead. Uh, the... Someone will know, but the, he used that as the catalyst for the matter antimatter ah. explosion. Um, so, so yeah. Uh, anyway, they blow yeah. up the refinery. Uhura immediately takes a station. Pike's like, no, 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 no. I, I will say before, just after they fired, they're blowing the whole thing up. Pike says one of the greatest things ever, which is literally like, oh, don't worry about consequences. I'm going to take the rock. 
yeah, I'm going to take the rap because I allow, I allowed you to do that, which I think is the greatest thing in the entire world, which shows what a good guy Pike is and a good daddy. Adam, you know. Adam's just said, I still can't explain sounds in space. I can, Adam. It's called Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's a sort of thing where it's like, you know, I don't think there are sounds in space. Well, there are not. No, there, there would be sounds in space, but I think what we have in films is we hear if we were there. It's a vacuum. It'd be no impossible sound. to hear them. You know, Sa- it'd be impossible to hear them, but if they were, that would be the sound they make. It's Sa- yeah. Sounds in space is not possible in a vacuum. However, you can interpret um radiations and and various things for, on bodies as sounds if you take it through a certain spectrometer for me it's like lip reading when you have sound in like sci-fi movies in space it can't happen but like lip reading you get the message essentially like you kind of imagine oh yeah that's what that would be if there wasn't a vacuum here that that's how i firefly it nailed it because in all these space scenes in firefly there was no sound and i mm. i loved when the serenity was descending on an atmosphere and it went from silence to immediate noise of the atmosphere hitting the ship, mm. which I thought great space western, <laughs> great bit of science. Any hoozle. So yeah, he says he's going to take the rap, and she needs to contact the admiral uh, because she needs to do that, and then take a nap. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. He just sends her to work. He just kind of goes, okay, while you're here, and now that you're not crazy because the aliens aren't going to be getting into your head, take your station because I need a communications officer, and then <laughs> what is it? And then you know. Uh, and then take a take a break, which I thought was really good. The final scene between Una and Pelia. Um, uh, oh yeah. Una goes, Starship Maintenance three hundred seven. You gave me a C, and she was like, "And you deserved it. It was sloppy." <laughs> I love Pelia's just so bullshit. She's she's so no nonsense that she's like, "Yeah, you deserved a C." Yeah, <laughs> but it, she says the real reason is because obviously I have replaced your friend. Yeah, but she's like, well, and you- it is. And then that explains a horror as well. That explains why the crew aren't interacting with Pelia because yeah. she's a reminder that Hemmer's dead. Like she's a reminder that Hemmer's gone by being the chief engineer yeah. throughout. And, and it is. And I think this could have been signposted better with Una because it kind of we've seen a horror having, you know, having scenes thinking about Hemmer, but we haven't had anything suggesting Una was bothered by it, and it feels a no. bit weird. I kind of would prefer if it was a C. I I think it'd be quite funny if basically it actually all wound down to like a bad grade at uni, and Pelia doesn't even remember giving her. It. But but this is this is why Pelia at the end she's like, well, to save face, I'll just tell everyone else it's because I gave you a C. <laughs> yeah, and I like that. But then the final scene, as and I've got it noted down here, jazz. We- See this final scene, okay? I think they missed a trick here Ooh. because what we have is we go back to—is it the what is it called? The mess hall. Yeah, the mess it, hall. The problem is it's called a mess hall, but it's a bar. It's like a it, bar it, it with jazz. Like, it feels rude to call it like the mess hall, but basically, we open up on the the uh, mess hall and there's a jazz jazz music playing. There's a jazz band going on and stuff, and everyone's sitting having drinks at a great time. They really missed a trick because anyone who's seen the original series remembers the random episodes where Ahura just sings, where we just have musical numbers and we're like, 
why is Ahura just randomly singing? And they're like, oh, that's what they do in the rock Enterprise. Yeah, and yeah. It, and I was just like, oh, it'd be so good if they literally had Ahura singing as a hark back you know, to jazz music as a hark back to the original series, and then she comes off the stage, sits down with Kirk, and then they have the conversation I they wonder, have. I wonder. It feels like a missed trick. <laughs> I wonder, right, hear me out on this one. It wouldn't fit, but it would work. <laughs> Although, uh, this is uh, Going back to the not fit thing, I wonder because Christine Chong, who plays La'an, mm. is a singer mm. and does have the, the beginnings of a musical career. I wonder yeah. if we're going to get an Uhura La Anne duet, maybe because we know Ahura can <laughs> sing from the last episode. Because I know, I know. Excuse me, <clears throat> I know that there is rumors of a musical episode coming up. <laughs> really? Yeah. I haven't heard anything about this. This season two is unhinged as fuck, and I'm here for it. <laughs> but I absolutely agree. We need to hear because uh, uh, singing for Ahura and waving palm leaves about is <laughs> is part of Ahura. Yeah. And she and that, Nichelle that Nichols was, was a singer. Did. Yeah, Nichelle Nichols was a singer in the original series, but it works. <laughs> but yeah, they they did miss the trip because she is looking at family photos with with James Kirk. She's like, "This is the first time I've been able to to look at these photos." Mm. Uh, and she's like, "Well, why why did the aliens choose me?" And Kirk's like, "Well, think about it. You know, you're the best person for the job. You are thoughtful, empathetic, and a good." listener you are the communications officer you mm-hmm. you are literally paid to listen yeah and at that point sam comes over and sam's trying to save face because sam's like he's the first person to come over congratulate james on getting a promotion and then he's just like and <laughs> yeah and I'm even just james is just like what yeah jim just being a dick basically <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's like apologize and he's like for what <laughs> yeah and and this is it this is exactly what i was saying earlier though it's the fact of basically kirk can happily invest in total strangers and other people but then he's just totally neglecting his brother and his neg- his brother's like wishes yeah. and that's a really interesting character trait i think and it's but yeah but basically uh you know it starts off with sam being very sort of like oh well done let's bury the hatchet and then kirk acts like a dickhead well, you know, acts like, oh, well, whatever. Acts like, yeah. Uh, and then Sam just starts arguing and gets a bit bitchy and stuff, and it turns into sibling rivalry again. And then Ahura's like, what is that all about? <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah, and then Spock comes over. I think it's a wonderful over. little thing that they are, they are brothers that, like, do not get on very well. Yeah. Go, go be first officer on your little ship. I'll just be on the flagship. Yeah. And he just like walks so away. Petty. Yeah. And then Ahura's like, what's that? And Kirk's like, oh, he can be so on Spock. And Jackson goes, frustrating. As he cleans the table as well. I did like that. This is the yeah. first meeting between Spock and Kirk. Yeah. And this ends I, the yeah, this ends the show. I absolutely love this because I keep forgetting that these characters haven't met Kirk nope. before. And then basically we have it where uh, Uhura goes, Oh, Mr. Spock, this is uh James T. Kirk. And then they sit down together and then the episode ends with the three characters that we know that are you know the three the characters, TOS characters, yeah, yeah, that are in the original series, and this is how they meet. And I think it's wonderful. I I think it's absolutely wonderful way to end the episode because all of this, no matter how many series we get of Strange New Worlds, I'm hoping it's going to be a few. I'm hoping they don't go with just two, or I hope they get like at least four. They've got they season three. Se- season yeah. three is confirmed, but obviously with the the strikes at the moment, everything's delayed. 
Yeah, I would prefer them just to milk this as long as possible, but I love that we're setting the roots here for, oh, and this is this is how it will feed into the original series, where, you know, Kirk will naturally become the captain of the Enterprise when Pike dies. Well, doesn't die, but you know. So, we've done this episode. Mm-hmm. Next week is episode seven. This is the crossover episode of Strange New Worlds and Lower Decks. Here is my theory, which I mentioned earlier, with Pellier. Mm. Pellier, uh, Boimler, or Beckett, Mariner, yeah. recognise Pellier from the future. I think so. I think I, I genuinely think there might be something malicious about Pellier, or at least where she's actually like a dangerous person or something i and i think that'd be really fun if they did that like i i think because i i've seen a clip and i will i won't spoil it but um nothing to do with Pelly or anything like that mm. but i i think when these two if carol kane is in next week's episode when these two see her something will be said something yeah. will be said but that is for next week we have wow Two hours and Two four hours minutes. again. I was literally going, okay, we're not going to talk as much as we did yes, last we're week. Not. We'll keep it. We went on yeah, some nice tangents, so so I like that. But 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 guys, that was our review of episode six of Strange New Worlds. Thank you so much for sticking by us. Next week we will be reviewing the long-awaited crossover episode between Strange New Worlds and Lower Decks. We may have a special guest joining oh. us next week fingers crossed I, I just need to uh confirm a few confirm a few things because very fun the, the, the busy people um <laughs> but we will be doing that next week it is a big big episode you don't want to miss it guys um if you like this video please give us a like if you like nerdy up north and you're not subscribed what are you doing everything's down there i'm not going to reel them all off I am not going to reel them all off. Everything is down there if you want yeah. to subscribe. The only thing I will say is we're on threads. So if you're on threads, find us at Nerdy Up North. If you like us, you will absolutely adore the Clone Star podcast, Trek mm-hmm. Culture, the Shuttle Pod Show, and our very dear friends at Spectrum Sanctorum, all of which their channels are below. Please, please, please show your support for them. Mm-hmm. We are one massive Trek family. We want to support each other and help each other grow. So please, if you yeah. can, get down there, check out their content. Nerd- what I will do, uh, I will I will just say, uh, I will be streaming on Twitch after this at 10 o'clock. Yep. So if you are not bored yet, uh, come and join me on my Twitch channel. It's in the description below, twitch.tv slash the noise. Uh, and also, this weekend is Northern Pride. It is. Happening in Newcastle. So if you are a member of the LGBT community, plus and all that luck, uh, or if you're just an ally, come along and say hi to everyone. I'm not doing any drag this weekend. I'm literally just having a weekend with my mates. Everyone is shocked by this, by the way. Like, literally, everyone was like going, oh, when are you performing tomorrow and stuff? And I'm like, I'm not. And I just like, want to be me. Why? And I'm like, yeah. I just want a weekend. I just want to enjoy Pride. And since I started drag, I just literally going, 
can't do can't just hang out with my mates because I've got to be here. I've got to be doing this and yeah. So I'm just having a quiet chill weekend and the rain's going to be terrible. So I don't want to be in drag for that. If you um, yeah, be careful in the rain, everyone, because it's going to absolutely bucket it down. So make sure you uh, bring a bring a brolly. Celebrate yeah. Northern <laughs> Pride in a Northern way, soaking wet in the rain, because yeah. that's what we do. Everything. Um, yes, so I will be uh, watching Sinois uh, on Twitch later on. Yeah. You can find me at Twitter at Goodwill None. Please give us a follow. Uh, Adam's music it, is down there as well. It is. I, everyone in the chat, if you haven't, like Peach, feel free to watch an episode of uh, Lower Decks. I'd say watch one episode of Lower Decks if you've never seen it before, just to get f- familiar with these characters. You don't need to know the full thing, because I think that will probably make you appreciate next. Lo- Lower Decks. Like, oh, it's him. Yeah. It's him. Lower Decks for me is a gateway show for a lot of people. It's got comedy, it's got the references, but it doesn't take it too seriously, and it has fun. And yeah. they're only twenty-one minutes long, so you can yeah. binge it in a week, guys. You can do it in a week. You can do. It. I believe so in you. you. Can, if you can watch Strange New Worlds, watch one episode or one or two episodes of Lower Decks, get familiar with the characters, and hopefully it'll make you appreciate next week's episode a lot more. And nope. you'll probably get a lot more of what we're talking about. <laughs> Nerdy Up North will be back as usual, seven thirty p.m. this Sunday with an all-new video. We've got Monsters Up North. You've got Trekking Up North. We've got everything, guys. That has been our review. We are going to love you and leave you because we know we've kept you on for far too long. We need well to, we need to, we need to. Staying this long, chat. Well, well done. done. Absolutely. <laughs> Bloody well done. That is it for us. We will see you next week. Remember, guys, live long and prosper. Stay safe. Look after each other. Bye bye. That is malarkey, and you know it. Miles.